When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. The West Ham draw this week sees the opportunity to win a fantastic 2019-20 signed and custom-framed West Ham United shirt with signatures from Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio, Mark Noble, Aaron Cresswell, Manuel Lanzini and Lucas Fabianski and many more on there. It's a great prize. You've got a great chance to win. Tickets cost just £5.95 each. 99 will be sold and the competition ends this Friday, the 3rd of December at 7.30pm with the draw being made an hour later live on Football Prizes Facebook page. Also this week, you've got another chance to win some fantastic West Ham hospitality tickets again, just like we did with the Manchester City Tunnel Club prize last week. So head on over. That'll be for the West Ham United versus Leeds game at the London Stadium on Sunday, the 16th of January, two o'clock kickoff, uh, £9.95 each for the tickets for that one. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to have a chance of entering. There have been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen, Vladimir Soufal and Paolo Di Canio up for grabs since their launch. And after a couple of weeks away, they're back with a vengeance. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk. We're still fourth in the Premier League. I don't care what anyone says, Jonesy. I know it's been a little bit of a blip in the form, but despite our 2-1 defeat at Manchester City at the weekend, Arsenal's victory over Newcastle, we are still clinging on to that last Champions League spot by the skin of our teeth. Our nemesis, Brighton, visit the London Stadium on Wednesday as West Ham looked to break that hoodoo of never having beaten the Seagulls in the Premier League. But on a lighter note, before that defeat at Manchester City at the snowy, snowy Etihad, West Ham did qualify, guarantee their spot as Europa League group winners with one game to spare against Rapid Vienna last Thursday. Happy days on that front. Happy-ish days on the Premier League front. Last couple of results been a little bit iffy, but we are still fourth in the league. Lots to talk about this week, Jonesy. It's another double header looking back and double header looking forward. I'm delighted to have you here with me for all of that. I don't know what you want to talk about first. The Rapid Vienna win, the Manchester City defeat, the Brighton game coming up at London Stadium on Wednesday night, or the huge game against bitter London rivals. 
Chelsea at London Stadium on the weekend. Absolutely loads to cover, mate. Wonderful to see you again. Before we get into football, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. First day back at work today after a week off, so I'm drowning in emails, which oh, is uh, which is lovely. But um, for that, I'm all good. How are you? Right, good. Let's compare then, mate. Let's compare because I was back at work today after a week and a half off, about 10 days it was in total, I think. A little bit more than that, maybe. Uh, so let's compare how many emails. Do you remember the number? Or are you one of the, I know actually that you're one of those weird blokes who doesn't get rid of their notifications in normal circumstances, which gives me palpitations anyway. We've had an argument about this in the last week. It's the closest we at West Ham have come to splitting up since we formed three or four years ago, or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> a massive, massive internal debate about the state of the We Are West Ham podcast Gmail account. Uh, so I don't suppose you knew how many emails you had because you're a yeah. psychopath and just let them build up and build up anyway. Uh, so you've got no idea which ones are new. No, my my work email address is, is a lot tidier than my personal one because um, you've got to be productive, haven't you? Like the personal one, just let go. But I think I came back to. Well, I'd already had about one. I, yeah, well, that's you know, that's managed by two <laughs> different people. So, but I had about twenty unread before I left for annual leave. And then the reason why I left them unread is because then I know I've got to go back to them when I come back. I know I need to action them. Right. Bizarre. And then I think I think this morning when I booted it up, I think I was on about 270, 280 mark. Did you? Yeah, which is uh, incredibly grim. I mean, a fair a fair amount of those were rubbish, like newsletters or <laughs> stuff like that. Two hundred fifty of those newsletters. Yeah. yeah, no, um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I did I did bulk delete. I don't know, maybe about fifty of them. Hmm. But yeah. Well, I mean, on one hand, it's, I'm pleased to hear that you keep your professional emails in order. I just wish you extended that same courtesy to the West Ham Podcast Gmail account. However, and this would be, this would make this the very, very worst game of top trumps in the history of the world. But I had 989 this morning. And because I'm a normal functioning human being, I cleared them all before I left for my annual leave. So I was at zero when I logged off. And I was at 989. But I reckon out of that, yeah, maximum, maximum 20 were worth reading. There's a lot of stuff that comes from my inbox that just gets ignored. <laughs> lots lots of uh, lots of PR. Lots of yeah, um, just, press, just press releases. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 Just guff that I don't need to read or care about. <laughs> but um Josie, I'm just wondering where you feel that this conversation ranks because obviously we've started uh, this week's podcast in pretty hard-hitting fashion going straight in with the email banter. Um, last week it was Sheds. Where will the We Are Sound podcast go from here, mate? It's sort of, you feel like we've peaked. Well, I, I like the way this is going, mate. I, I don't know whether we have like a mystery topic of the week and we just... <laughs> but as dull as possible. Yeah, we, we pick something like... Maybe we're taking turns just picking something incredibly mundane that's happened to us over the last seven days. AKA our lives. Yeah, and we just we just have a chat, a quick chat about it. So like this week's emails, last week's sheds, next week it might be, I don't know. I mean, what the world is our oyster. Hats. Yeah, <laughs> gardening, I mean, lawn mowing, you, lawn mowing, lawn mowing. Yeah, I mean, you I haven't, haven't even got, got a lawn. lawn. Neither I have I. Lawn. No, <laughs> so I can't talk about lawn mowing. I'm, 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 
I'm going to think about over the coming week. And if something really boring happens to me over the next seven days, which yeah, is likely, right. by the way, then, <laughs> yeah. um, then I'll, I'll, I'll email myself, keep it unread to remind myself yeah. to talk about it next week. Yeah, right. Just, uh, I mean, just for some context for anyone listening, uh, me and Jonesy had a little bit of a discussion in the week. Uh, I'm interested to hear from from listeners. Obviously, we like hearing your views about West Ham on our social media platforms, but this one is a real hard-hitting issue. Uh, James, uh, we share the email account, obviously. I have it on my phone. Uh, so my notifications come up. I read it over the call and leave, add it to my to-do list. Um and then mark it as red or just delete it straight off. Uh, so anyway, this email that it was a, a sort of thing that part of the podcast that James has been dealing with comes up, keeps flashing up in my phone as unread. So I keep marking it as red because me and James have spoke about it. I know he's read it. I know I've read it. So obviously I'll mark it as red because we've both read it. And it keeps flashing up on my phone again. So I said to James about it, what's going on here, mate? Some, something seriously wrong must be up with the email because it keeps coming <laughs> back up as I'm read again. And it turns out James the Psychopath Jones, rather than dra- writing, creating a separate to-do list somewhere, feels the need to leave that email as I'm read, which has been playing absolute havoc with my technological OCD in the last week. And bafflingly, Jonesy, after our cross words about it, um, the 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 thing's still sitting there as five emails I'm read in the podcast email address. And I'm losing the plot. I mean, I, do you know what? I, I do like the fact that you you must have been coming quite close to writing a strongly worded email to Google. It's like there's something going on with, yeah. with our app. Can you can you sort this out? My OCD's going all going all all, all over the place. Um, no, I if just, you're not I, careful, we'll take our email services elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, we'll go back to Hotmail like it's 2005 again. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I think I, I like I'm I'm a very productive. Like, I like productivity and I like having certain. Ditto. And for me, it's not productive to turn an email into a to-do a to-do list item it's just it's not because then suddenly your to-do list just becomes all the emails but i don't understand james because surely surely you get items that need to be added to your to-do list from other sources i.e lucy sending you a whatsapp someone your brother saying can you do this for mum for christmas etc etc like there are other things other than just emails where to-do list things come from. So you should conglomerate them all in one place. When you've read and added something from emails to your to-do list, um, don't leave WhatsApps unread, do you? Guilty. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Guilty. Oh, that is terrible. It's, it's, ever... it's, my, it's my way of knowing when I need, like, I, I'm a time blocker, so I time block my half an hour in the morning half hour in the afternoon half hour in the evening to focus on email um so when i wake up in the morning and check my emails for the first time straight away go to the fresh ones get rid of all the newsletters and all the all the junk then go right what do i need to get done i action all the quick ones there and then keep all the ones that i know i've got time to do in the morning i'll keep them all unread because then when i go back to them in the afternoon i know i've still got i've got action but if I spend time then turning them into to-do list items, then you know I'm, there, I'm sitting there for ages trying to work out what I've got other stuff in my to-do list that I need to prioritise. 
but it's, it's, it doesn't take long. That you just literally need to write. For example, right? So the the this issue with the podcast was a manscaped thing that you needed to sort out, right? Yeah. So with that, all you do is you just go to your phone and you just under your to do list in your notes where it should be. If any normally functioning person, obviously would put it in their notes. Just write manscapes, and then when you get round to doing that job, you just go back to the emails. Find the email by searching Manscaped or just scrolling down for 0.4 seconds. And then your partner, business partner, colleague and friend doesn't get weird little heart palpitations in the week every time he opens his phone thinking he's got five new emails and it's the same five that have been there for a week and a half. Um, and then everyone's happy. Nah, so that's not how I work. I can't just... No, no, no. No, I said, yeah, I mean, I'll have enough to do anyway for my day-to-day tasks to then add a load of email tasks because a lot of my emails are literally just emails I need to reply to. They're not kind of additional to-do lists. They're kind of either, it's either literature they've got to read for work because something's going on or it's a request from someone, stuff like that. It's just far easier for me to leave it unread. I know that it still needs to be done. It saves me then having to write a separate to-do list item and then search for that email again. Just leave it unread. I know where it is. And then it stays unread once I've dealt with it. Well, listener, um, wherever you are, whoever you are, uh, this could be the end. If in a couple of weeks' time, uh, the We Are West Ham podcast, you just see a message on our Twitter account or a little 30-second episode gets released that just says, unfortunately, We Are West Ham will not be releasing (laughs) any more podcasts until further notice. Know that this is the reason. (laughs) This is the closest me and James ever come to an argument. Uh, And yeah, it really could be the end for the podcast. I don't know if I can cope anymore. Jonesy then, tell me, um, I I think that's probably enough internal politics. This is about as close as it gets to internal politics on the podcast isn't it yeah. <laughs> deciding whether yeah. we delete an email or not. um tell me where does this rank then in terms of, of shed chat do you think that's more or less mundane oh certainly certainly more mundane yeah mm. yeah e- email chat is the worst kind of chat when you think yeah, about it it's definitely more isn't it yeah 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 not great shed was pretty entertaining in parts to be fair yeah, well, I finished it, by the way. I got it done. I saw a photo. Yeah, well played. Yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. How um, did, uh, has, Harrison, has Harrison seen it yet? Or No, not yet. He's, uh, it's his birthday next week, so he will he will see it for the first time next week. Hopefully by then it's, it's put up with all the, the cold weather, potentially the snow that's to come. And he hasn't fallen down or leaked. I mean, I, I really hope he doesn't leak inside. I hope I fit the roof roof right. Let's put it that way. That's, it's making me feel nervous. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, mate, I, I think, I mean, this is it's been a solid segment of its own. The email and shed chat, I think we've done it to death this week. So, unfortunately, once again, we are going to have to move on to all things football, West Ham United in particular. Uh, let's start with the most recent thing to happen, Jonesy, and then we'll go back to Rapid Vienna after that. 2-1 defeat at Manchester City. The scoreline is nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. It means that West Ham still haven't lost a game by more than one goal, certainly this season. And I did read something the other day, this calendar year, but I'm not sure... Um, if that's legit or not. But certainly this season, we've only lost three matches 
And all three of them have been just by just one goal. Memo Lanzini ensuring that it was only 2-1 with an absolute rocket at the death at the Etihad on the weekend. On uh, yeah, uh, what did you what did you make of it, mate? Overall, I uh, I did manage to watch um, the whole game in the end. What, what were your feelings afterwards? Um, I think I was I was relatively happy with the performance. I thought I thought it wasn't a bad performance. We didn't sit back for ninety minutes and and kind of just soak up pressure. I thought we gave him a good game, particularly in the first half. I think we were a lot better in the first half. City in the second half kind of did what they do best and just kept out of the ball and just let, didn't let us play with it. Um, but yeah, I, again, it was very similar to the to the Wolves defeat in that it was kind of like okay, that's annoying. Back to back defeats for the first time since April, but wasn't entirely unexpected and it wasn't as a result of us not playing well. I think it was just, it was purely because City were just far better and are far better than us on the day, um, more clinically in front of goal. Um, so I don't think we could have many, many complaints about the, about the result. We played well, particularly given we played the first half on the North Pole. Um, yeah, yeah just, we move on. Very similar to last week in terms of feeling. Yeah, totally understand what you mean, Jonesy. I think the feeling after the Wolves game is quite pragmatic. It's a bit of an age-old, well, it's becoming a football cliche, but it's one I quite like. It's not so much a cliche, more just a sensible thing to observe, is that Man City away, the result there isn't going to be season-defining. It's like that for so many clubs. Uh, West Ham are included in that as well. We've already beaten Liverpool, which is a huge scalp losing to Manchester City. And again, say the same thing again to contextualise it all. If you said you get three points out of Wolves away, Liverpool at home and Man City away, I think you'd have taken it, to be honest. That's what we've got. Um, just a lot of pressure on Brighton on Wednesday. Look, James, we've got loads to cover on the We Are West Ham podcast tonight. So before we crack onto that properly, we'll just do a bit of housekeeping. You can follow us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at We Are West Ham pod. On Facebook, we're the We Are West Ham podcast. The same on YouTube. And you can email us at We Are West Ham pod at gmail.com. Thanks to all of you who've got in touch this week. And don't forget, of course, uh, that the links to all the ways you can follow us and contact We Are West Ham are included in the description to this podcast. And finally, you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash We Are West Ham for as little as a fiver per pint, if you so wish to do that. That comes straight to us lot at the podcast, just me. Uh, and Jonesy, and we guarantee that it will be spent on beer or stuff to make the podcast a little bit better for you guys. So coming up on the show tonight, we'll have some rapid Vienna reaction. Then we'll look back at that Man City game at the Etihad on Sunday. We'll have the Betway charity bets. We'll speak to Tom, the Brighton fan, ahead of the Seagulls' visit to London Stadium on Wednesday. Can West Ham finally break that hoodoo? And beat Brighton in the first uh, in the Premier League for the first time since their return. And then we've got a huge game at the London Stadium on the weekend against London rivals Chelsea. And Jonesy spoke to Chigi, our mate Chigi from the Chelsea Fancast earlier today. So you hear that chat as well. Nothing on the West Ham women this week. No game and no game next weekend before we say goodbye for another week. Exciting stuff. 
packed show, four games to talk about, two that have gone, two that are coming up. All of that is coming up next. Well, James Jones, West Ham United have qualified from their Europa League group stage as winners after a convincing win away at Rapid Vienna. We were supposed to be there. We weren't able to be there, just like so many other West Ham fans. First, because of the UEFA away fan ban, then because of Austria's national lockdown meant we couldn't even make the trip at all. Um, And yeah, all in all, it was exactly what we hoped for, really. The game was... I'll be honest, I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was okay at best, a comfortable 2-0 victory. West Ham didn't really get out of second or third gear, really. Andre Yarmolenko with a nice header after Mike Noble had given him an absolute volley just minutes before for not playing the ball quick enough. And then Marky Noble, Mr West Ham himself, completes what must have been a lifetime dream or a career-long dream or even a childhood dream for him, scoring for his hometown club in Europe. All nice and comfortable in the end, Jonesy. We had lots of the ball. We've won the group, group H with a game to spare. All very comfortable and all very nice. Uh, what did you make of it? Oh, yeah, I thought it was uh, a cliche, very professional performance. Um I mean, I, I think I would like to have been a little bit more clinical on the night. You know, it wasn't the best game of football that we'll see this season. I mean, I fell asleep for the last 10 minutes of it. Um, <laughs> That's a bit, I did for bits just get a bit distracted, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't edgy to see vintage football, was it? It was kind of it just... It just wasn't a spectacle, was it, which you're yeah. hoping for the Europe with no fans? I think, yeah, I think... The fact there was no fans probably played a part in that. Massively. But, but yeah, I don't know. I, I would have just liked to have seen this been a little bit more clinical. We had enough chances to score more than two. It's very similar to the, the home game against Vienna. And we had more than more than enough chances to to really sort of you know, put four or five past them if we, if we really wanted to. But um, I think although he scored his goal, I thought Yarmolenko just didn't didn't impress me one bit for me. I just thought, yeah. I don't know. Does it like it doesn't, it's a square peg in the roundest yeah. of holes, isn't it? Yeah. That's like, just, it's just it's... time for him to move on. But if, if he scores every time he plays, you can't really complain. But, can you? That's the thing though. He doesn't know to say. All right. Yeah. Right. But in this instance, right. I think he, he did score. And like, it was, it was only what five minutes before he scored. And I think it was probably the, the, the exact moment that Noble gave him a bit of a, a bit of a dressing down, but oh, I sat at the TV just going, "What on earth are you doing?" Like just simple football. Like I just don't understand what he's doing. And he pops up with a header. He's like, "All oh, right, okay, fair enough." But yeah, yeah, like everyone else, I think it's a decent enough performance. But yeah, he just really stood out as someone that just either didn't want to be there or couldn't be bothered. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it was I, really don't, bad mate, I don't think it's that. I, I honestly think, right, I genuinely think he's a good player. He obviously, which is fine as well, likes playing for Ukraine more than West Ham because he, Fair, he, yeah. he you know, he doesn't tick. Yeah, you can't begrudge him that really. He doesn't care about West Ham as such. Like he's, he's already played the best football of his career at club level and international level. Um, 
he's not in the team that much. The fan, he hasn't got a particular affinity with the fans. You know, he's just sort of there earning his money, like doing what he's got to do. And I, I, but I think the main reason is that I just think his style is so contrasting to ours. He's a very, even when he plays for Ukraine, he might look better, but he's still a very languid, high, he's not overly high energy, is he? He's still quite, Mm. he's a technical player rather than a, like blood and guts and thunder. And I think David Moyes' team this year, first of all, you know, one of the first things Moyes, first things Moyes said when he walked through the door was, if you're not going to run for me, you're not going to play for this team. Well, Yarmolenko isn't that sort of player, is he? He's just one last relic of a bygone era, I find. And I think, yeah, I'd like to, I, I, I'd like to see it done in, in January, really. Um, there's no, I don't think he brings enough to warrant I'd do a swap, like bring someone else in for sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we don't need the bodies, but I just think the wages he's on, it's going to happen, isn't it? It's not like all of a sudden he's going to be superb and, and fight his way back into the team. His general ability is on the downward trend and he's he's battling Jared Bowen and, and Pablo Fornells, Saeed Benrahma, arguably our... Well, certainly the first two, arguably our two best players of the season in a scintillating season. It's not there isn't any incentive for him to keep playing, is there? So I, I just don't think he'd be that harsh on him. He scored his goal. His style doesn't fit the way Moyes wants to play with West Ham and is playing with West Ham. He hasn't got a future at the club, which is clear. As long as he's being professional, turning up, doing his thing, still one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, which is funny slash annoying. Get rid of Jan, but but he scored. Made put us one new up in Europe. You you can't yeah. make it all about him, can we? Like this. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course not. Next week uh, we'll do it. Next time he comes on and does nothing, we'll do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing though, is that you know there, there was a there was a period in his West Ham career where you could bring him off the bench and you know you could be sort of quietly confident he'd, he'd change a game. He'd come off and score like he did, and like you think, okay, well, not not a bad player to come off the bench and make something happen uh, and score a goal or something like that or. Um, but now he doesn't even do that. Oh, he scored on Thursday. Um, That's why we're talking really, about him. But, I mean, what he's played 13 games this season, I think. Mm. Um, well, despite that lack of continuity, he's still going to weigh in Europe and put us one new up. What a man. Yeah, I mean, what, what a hero. What a hero. You're but, having a go at him. Blimey. Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean... I'm sure he's amazing. The mindset of some fans, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but um, yeah, not for me anymore. Um, yeah, just but you genuinely not being facetious. You can't not you can't knock it if he scores, can you? Really? Like, what more can? What more do you want from him? Like, or no, no, no. What more? But what more can he give? Like, he's not gonna just start sprinting around all over the place at. Thirty-one or two, or whatever he is. is yeah, he? no, yeah, no. I see, I see you. I see your point. I see your point. But he is who he is, isn't he? Um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get your point. I don't know. I just, I think he's better than what we're getting out of him at the moment. Yeah. I genuinely think he's better than than. What so we're getting just, out of him. just to clarify, then, um, what would what what would you have needed from him the other night? Two goals with that three, four before you. Uh, I would. I would have wanted him to contribution. I would, have, I would have wanted his all-round game to have more of an influence on West Ham's attacking threat. Right. All-round game, I said. So, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, he scored. 
But... I don't want to. You heard Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher arguing on Sky at the weekend, no doubt. Wonderful viewing, um, by the way. That it was that's top quality content, isn't it? I know it's a bit cynical, and I know they do a lot of it on purpose, but still, like proper edge of the right. seat, like about to tear into each other. Yeah, was loved it. Loved it. Um, but I mean, Roy Keane made quite a succinct point. Um, I don't know about you. I'm Team Keane, by the way. Uh, in that instance, he was making some perfectly salient points that oh, obviously he was shouting them in a thick Irish accent. But uh, Carragher was just like, couldn't hear the simple, straightforward message that Keane was saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm Team Keane when he said, What's football about, Jamie? Scoring goals. He scores goals. Yarmolenko, James, football's about scoring goals. He scored a goal. What more do you want? <laughs> Shut up. I'm having it. I'm having it. What more do you want, James Carragher? Well, you like yeah. it when people call you Jamie, actually, don't you? No, do not call me Jamie, please. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, oh, no, nah, I'm not having it. I don't think he's good enough. Um, and one headed goal from two yards out isn't going to change my mind. <laughs> fair enough, mate, fair enough. Uh, Mark Noble then scoring the penalty. That was, in a drab game, that was sort of like, it was wonderful to see him score, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even though he, he wasn't even that buzzing, was he? I was like, come on, Mark, at least take your shirt off. Yeah, I mean, if I was him, I would have, I would have slid across my knees to the corner flag. Yeah, I don't know. Done like a really angry celebration, like just take my boot off and chuck it or something at Yarmolenko. At Yarmolenko or something. Like, yeah, like. But then at the same time, you kind of knew it was done by that point, didn't you? Yeah, no like, fans as well, wasn't it? It's what it is. Yeah, fair enough. Right, last one then, Jonesy. Uh, surely, surely uh, this is going to lift your spirits somewhat. Uh, Sonny Perkins coming off the bench at the oh. death. Don't tell me, oh, he missed from two yards. Don't want to talk about him. Get Sell him, sell him. <laughs> no, no, I was gutted for him. I was gutted for him. I was off Yama my Lenko seat. scored a header from that distance in the first oh. half. Shows a golfing yeah. class, doesn't it? He's got about eight years worth of experience over little Sonny <laughs> Perkins. Like, come on. Um, yeah, no, that was the only moment of the whole game that got me up off my seat when he had, when he had that chance. Oh, I, can't oh, I thought you he's... meant when he come off. When he come no. on, you stood up. <laughs> yeah, very I, weird. Stood, I stood up and applauded. Yeah, um, very odd behaviour. Yeah, in the flat on my own. Yeah. Um, yeah, Look no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's actually. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't believe he missed it. I, mean, I suppose he didn't miss it. It's good save from the keeper in the end, but um, gutted for him. him Absolutely gutted for him. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Carlton come after it's going, ah, oh, you got to head that down there. I was like, Carlton, you've missed well easier chances than that. Mate. Yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, if come, Joe Cole was player, saying it. Coming from a player that could never score a one on one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it was Joe Cole, you go, yeah, fair enough. You know, yeah. like pretty successful footballer overall. <laughs> a few titles, uh, played a few England caps, et cetera, et cetera. Carl Cole going, yeah, you just got to head that down there because it makes it a lot easier for the keeper. I'm like, Carlton, how many so, of those do you not even hit at the target, mate? <laughs> to be fair, Carl Cole was a very, very good header of the ball. Um, but at the same time, he, he was also the master at scoring the most difficult of chances and missing the easiest chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget he was one-on-one against the goalkeeper. I think it was in a cup game against someone. He was one-on-one with a keeper and he fell over the ball. 
<laughs> and then then fell into the keeper, and then the ball just landed in front of him, and he still he just tapped it in one one in a heap on the floor. It's like, why have you made that look so much more difficult than it actually is? Yeah, just slow past him, mate. Just slow just... past him. Just like, it was almost like he he deliberately dummied the keeper by falling over in front of him. Yeah, yeah. but then yeah. like two games later, there'd be one, wouldn't it, where they'd like pinged ball diagonal from the left back position. He lets it drop over his right hand shoulder, hits it on the on or like flicks it up. Does an unnecessary spin and volleys it in the bottom left corner. Wheels away yeah. in front of Bobby Moore lower, just like giving it big ones. Um, yeah. yeah, but two games before it. So Carl would also like it if you scored from like six yards out as well when there's no goalie <laughs> there. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's brilliant for for Perkins to send. By all accounts, Jonesy, um, it's not just you know I'm always wary with young players coming through, and I tend to try not to. Well, not try. I quite naturally don't get carried away with the excitement too often, really, because I sort of very much Freddie Sears, Jordan Spence, Elliot Lee syndrome, just Dan Potts, that sort of thing. You know, all of those players, and whether fans like to admit it or not, there's lots and lots of fans who always jump on the hype and they're always there, they're going to be the next best thing, and da 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 da. You know, I loved it when Freddie Sears scored against Blackburn, don't get me wrong, but it was quite clear quite quickly he wasn't quite going to cut it. But by all accounts and what they've seen from him so far, um, Sonny Perkins understood to be a real contender and, and someone who's who's going to go far in the game, Jones. Yeah, I think he's amongst a, a fair few in there that um, quite a lot of people at the club have got high hopes for. Um, it's good to see another academy product come you know, make an appearance in the first team. David Morris has has done a lot of that since he came back to the club. Yeah, five or six six players have had have had debuts. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think it's like the the, the under twenty ones or the development squad as they call it now. It looks like I mean they're in good form as well. I think they're either first or second in the Premier League two. Um, so there's a lot of good players down there. Um, Sonny Perkins being the latest to come come through and get his opportunity, but It'd be interesting to see which ones actually continue to break through. There we go. Like, interesting to see. My least yeah. favourite phrase in the whole of football. Yeah. Oh, I've got to squeeze it in at least once just to keep you happy, <laughs> mate. Um, but yeah, then you've got I mean, what, Ben Johnson was the last one, I think, to, to come through. Yeah, uh, before it's like Ngakia, wasn't it? Ngakia. Declan Rice. But, um, um, so yeah, I remember I think... being, just sorry to interrupt you, mate. Sorry. Just uh, I remember being absolutely, I think, I think we both were, to be fair. I'm not dragging you down with me. But I remember being absolutely livid that Ngakia was going, like incensed. Just yeah. could not. That was, I was basically ready to, that was it, done with the club forever. He's obviously going to be the next Glenn Johnson, but better. Like, he's a shoe in, in the team every week. Why are we not paying him 35 grand a week? Blah, blah, blah. Just like, couldn't see any other argument. And then, Inter- interestingly, no. though. At the time, it was it was it was a well known fact that he was only in the team because Ben Johnson was injured at the time, and it should have been Ben Johnson who got his opportunity. Mm. Um, and it was well known that the club felt that Ben Johnson was always the better player, and that's why they were quite happy to let Ngakia go, even though Ngakia played four good games for West Ham. Everyone was like, "No, you can't let him go. He's great." Like we hadn't seen Ben Johnson really, had we? And then. Big Ben pops up and we're like, oh yeah, that's why. That's why they're letting Gakia go for, for nothing because we got arguably one of the as best. As good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's class. Oh, like, yeah. Superb, he's mate. 
He's pretty good. He's okay. He's also played four good games for West Ham. And the rest. <laughs> Closing in on 32, I think, or 33. <laughs> no, no, but you know what I mean? Like, he, I, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's that's in the past now. Uh, Sonny Perkins and Jonesy, um, your high hopes for him. Or, 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 now humour me here, can I expect to see him turning out for Luton with George Monker, Marek Stetch, Elliot Lee, Dan Potts? <laughs> well, basically, West Ham's reserve team from five years ago is now Luton Town's first team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say because I think, who was it? that Was it Afalion that came that played in the FA Cup, came off the bench in the FA Cup? Yeah, scored yeah, scored up in now, isn't he? Um, went on loan to uh, Bolton shortly after and then we just sold him to Bolton. And everyone was like, oh, okay. So, like, I thought he was going to be the next best thing because he'd come off the bench and scored in the FA Cup. So, difficult to say, isn't it, mate? Difficult to say. But um, just good to see young players get, get given an opportunity. Yeah, that is right, mate. That is right. It would have been a dream if he'd scored. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he'll have many more opportunities ahead of him, fingers crossed. Nice to see him have that moment with Noble at the end. Uh, yeah, so, James, that's it. Qualified. 13 points from five games, 1-4, drawn one, goals for 11, goals against two. Dinamo Zagreb in second place, seven points. Uh, they can't catch us when we face them at London Stadium uh, in early December. What are you going to do for that game, James? Do you think it's, it's, it's one of those things where, just from a sports science perspective and a bit of like fairness of the competition perspective that, we've got to play a decent team or is it one of those where we haven't even got enough people in the squad to play a, like a complete B team way? Um, just we haven't got enough bodies. What, what What's your brief uh, ideals about what you'd like to see from that game? I'd like David Boyes. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter go, oh, just play the kids, play the kids. It's like, well, no, what, why? I don't understand why you do that. You, I think David Moyes won't do that either. He might do what he did in the Vienna game and give one give one or two a chance off the bench, but I think he'll still same game plan, um, heavily rotated squad. Might rest maybe another one or two other key players, but it's going to be the first team rotated. Um, and I just don't see why he would do anything otherwise because, yeah, okay, we got a thin squad and we got loads of fixtures and it's almost it's, a, it's pretty much a dead rubber, but. Well, it, no, it, it just is, isn't it? Well, it, is it? Dead, literally yeah. doesn't matter. But, yeah. but it's also another opportunity for the team to play a game of football in a style of football that he wants, work on it. Um, what's the point of you know losing a game of football or, or risking losing a game of football and then undoing all the hard work you've done before in terms of confidence, form, all the rest of it? You know, I still think you go in there and try and win the game. Yeah, I don't, um, yeah maybe. Because um, if you've know. got if you've got a squad of players that are, I'm okay, I mean we're not going to be out sounds a bit strong yeah yeah you've got a squad of players that have put on a a, bit, you know, a good run of form and then that form is then broken because you've been left out of a game in the Europa League because the Europa League game doesn't mean much and then suddenly that form is no longer a good run of form because you've lost in the Europa League I don't think it does a lot, lot good like a lot for confidence yeah fair enough would you Give Perkins a start then? No. Really? See, I, that's what I mean. I, I like the idea of like rotated and then some. Like, I mean, obviously, there's no question Alex Kral definitely won't get a game. 
obviously. No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still rattled by that, aren't you? Um, but yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> surely, surely he's got to get a sniff. Um, I, well, why not give Perkins a run out? To be honest, like not, mate. Not that resting Mikel Antonio has done him any favours up at City. Another fairly abject performance. So we'll cover that in in the next part. But um, yeah, I, I, I sort of see what you mean about the form, but I also think it is such a complete dead rubber. It's basically like a, a friendly. So I'd just be, and I'm sure it's what David Moores will be doing. He'll be listening to the sports scientists and go, right, which players will benefit from a run out, which players will benefit from a rest. And yeah, I'd, you know, we're not on a great run of form anyway at the moment, are we? Hopefully we will be have picked up slightly by the time that game comes round. But yeah, I, I, I must admit I'm with those who maybe not play the kids. Obviously, like you've got to treat the competition with a bit of respect. And I'm sure there are UEFA rules about that sort of thing because uh, Genk, if they beat Rapid Vienna, oh, it's going to have to be some severe goal swing, to be fair. Um, but, you know, there's a seven-goal difference between them at the moment, so pretty unlikely Genk are going to do enough to overtake Zagreb, but technically there's still some points to play for. Um, so, But, yeah, I'd, I'd just be... I'd be resting as, as many as possible, I think. But uh, that game's a way off, Jonesy, and we'll do a, a proper review on that in the build-up. But we've got to look back to another game next, and that's the 2-1 defeat at Manchester City, a snowy Etihad on Sunday, and we'll chat about that next. <laughs> Manchester City. James Ilkay Gundogan putting City ahead after 33 minutes. Uh, Very, very snowy conditions. I was secretly hoping the game got called off. Not, uh, obviously, for all those fans that travelled all the way up there. Uh, But more because I thought we'd gone 1-0 down. We didn't really look like we were going to get back into the game. And perhaps if it got called off, uh, (laughs) David Boyes might be able to regroup. Have a proper chat with the lads and uh, we might be able to make a bit of a fist of it next time round. Unfortunately not, the City ground staff did an excellent job at half-time clearing all that snow off the pitch. The weather eased up somewhat. Um, but the second half was reasonably drab, wasn't it, James? You know, We mentioned um, to David Moody who we had on, David Mooney, excuse me, who we had on uh, the week before uh, for our City opposition view. And I said, does it get boring watching City? He said, no. But it was very much, you know, template A, plan A from Manchester City, the same old thing that we used to see in every week. Um, and it seemed to work. I didn't feel like we were completely dominated. I just didn't feel like we were offering that much. City wrapped it up. Fernandinho stroked home after nine on 90th minute, which looked to have completely killed the game. And Manuel Lanzini comes out of an absolute screamer right at the death in the 94th minute to make the scoreline look slightly more respectable and I think probably slightly more flattering on West Ham uh, than it perhaps could have been. What did you make of the game, James? I covered a little bit in the intro, of course, but um, yeah, what, what, what did you think? It was just, I don't know, like 2-1, okay, a respectable score, but we just never, unlike when we played him in the Cup not long ago, this time round, we never ever looked like coming close it looks a lot better in the first half. Um, yeah. As I said before, second half comes around and, and City really then show their 
dominance. They're, they're quite happy just keeping hold of the ball and just not doing anything with it. Um, it's so difficult to get the ball off them. Whereas we were quite happy to get the ball and then give, give it, it away or not yeah. do anything with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, no, we, we did show one or two with threatening without being threatening if that's even a thing in the second half where we'd get the ball, we might have a little gallop forward. We'd gallop (laughs) forward a little bit and then it'd be a rubbish final third ball or or something like that. Time and time again, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still baffled. Deccan Rice went on that little run where he beat like three players and ran into the box. And it was like, (laughs) right, we'll just put it across the face of the goal now. And he just carried them running off the pitch. (laughs) Into the so, away fans. Yeah, so, yeah, what are you doing, mate? Like, I, I think stop. he went for like, a, he, he seemed to underestimate how fast the ball was travelling. So I think he went for one last dummy, didn't he? Yeah. And then to fizz it right across the line. But he like played the dummy and the ball was going way faster than he thought and he just dummied it out for a yeah. goal kick. Yeah, like, but it was it, like, it was one or two moments where we'd, we'd get into those positions or we'd get near those positions. And it's like, right, okay, well, there's the ball or there's the cross, get the cross in. And it just never happened. They go back to the keeper, or we we try and play it into central areas, and it get picked up by one of the city players, and then suddenly we're back to square one again. And that was the frustrating part for me. Um, There's a couple of times when Ben Johnson had a couple of chances to put the ball in the box and didn't do it. Um, just a couple of little crosses. I can see you smirking at me. But what we got? No. What are you going to say now? What are you no, say I just wonder because obviously Ben Johnson being one of the best right backs you've ever seen play live in your whole life. Yeah. I was thinking and Gakia would have probably crossed in a little bit. Probably earlier, but... The trouble is though, Gakia's would have been like too far across it would have gone out for a throw the other end or something like that. Whereas Ben Johnson he decided to do it, would have gone straight on the head of Michael Antonio. Instead of just running into a dead end. Exactly. But um <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it wasn't a bad performance. It was we were beaten by the better team on the day. Probably should have probably should have taken taking our half chances in the first half but yeah like nothing to it, I don't know about you mate I I just don't look I never ever look forward to playing City like yeah. Chelsea next weekend I'm quite looking forward to even though they're really good like and even Liverpool the other week obviously you know you're going to be playing the ref as well most times uh, but when when City comes up I never think I never think oh the ref's going to be dodgy or anything like that because I don't think they're too divey or horrible like Man United of old, they're just really, really like boringly efficiently good, aren't they? Yeah, it's like football in its like weirdly purest form. When it's like, okay, it's like too you're too good that it takes the entertainment out of it because it's just so robotic and the same, and they're really good at executing it. And it's just like, oh, I never it, look forward to the games because you don't. Um, if you play Liverpool, ever they're they're so attacking, you feel like. Even if they might score four, but you might get, you're going to get a chance at a couple. Everything's like perfect with City, isn't it? Like the balance is perfect. They're like really good at all the parts of the pitch and everything yeah, they, just, there's no errors everywhere. It's just like, oh, God. Well, that's it. They never make mistakes. Like, yeah. They never make mistakes. There's not like, there's no like wayward passes. No, the decision making is um, always spot on. Yeah, it? It, like they're, they're everywhere as well. Like it was like they've got like fourteen players on the pitch because <laughs> like they they win every second, third, and fourth ball, and it's like you know I, I don't know, but then like some like, teams like Chelsea, there are mistakes in Chelsea's team. Like mm. we saw it against Man United, yeah, Jorginho. Yeah. So, but you're right about City; they are just bor- boringly good. Um, mm. 
So no complaints about the result, really. Um, yeah. Right. I'd have, yeah, I'd have just, you know what? It was just, I'd have, we didn't even, we did, it wasn't that we didn't show up. It was just like, we didn't even like scare them or even get close. I know we scored, but obviously right the death just out of nowhere. But before that, it wasn't, you know, sometimes you think, ah, oh, City were really good. If you've put your best in as well, you think, yeah, fair enough. All right, yeah, they might be boringly good, but they are good. And we were beaten by the better team. We obviously were, but I did think we were quite sloppy and poor as well. On the Unlike when we played them in the cup, we we didn't have much of the ball again. But when we did, we looked quite dangerous with it and looked like we might do something with it. This time around, people said to me, oh, yeah, that's what City do to you, you get tired. It's like, well... I watched them only a few weeks ago and West Ham looked really dangerous when they got the ball yeah. and they were really incisive and they were patient, picked their moments. This time around, I thought Antonio, mate, you know, I, uh, it's just poor again. And whether it's his fault or not, right, his form, players have dips in form, whatever. But it's just one of those things where you just think he's got no competition. There's no one to bring on instead of him. And although it's a brilliant season, blah, 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 because you sort of think, oh, it could be better if we'd have had another striker mm. on board. And I don't know, you know, obviously, Sonny Perkins unlikely to be the sort of level where he's, Antonio is particularly worried about him. Moyes said last week, didn't he? We covered it quite extensively. Moyes saying that he needs to be in tip top condition, Mikel Antonio. Um, whether he is or he isn't, I don't know. He just looks off it. He, he's like, He's never superb on the ball, is he? He always seems to not know what he's going to do next. And it's as much of a surprise for the defender as it is for him, etc. But just a few weeks running now, isn't it? It's just like touches are off, like shinning balls when he's trying to control them. Which, which there's always been parts of that in his game. But it's always been mixed in with a couple of absolute like power blasting runs where he smashes a couple of defenders up in the air, makes it horrible for them to play against. And whizzes one past the goalie's like head or the post, or even if he doesn't score, he sort of looks like at one or two points in the game, he just explodes and does something, albeit unorthodox, that you think, blimey, yeah, he's like he's decent to have up there. And obviously, at the beginning of the season, he was banging him in for fun. Um, mm. And I just think now, now's the time if you want to be competing at that end of the table, which we obviously do. Now's the time where you want to be able to go right. Mick, you're hooked. You're not playing the next game. You're dropped. You know, so just for a game or two. And that might give him the little... Because it might only be 5 or 5% that he's off at the moment, mightn't it? But something's gone wrong, isn't it? Whether it's a bit of confidence or it's a bit of training, I don't know. But I just think not having someone behind him, he's own, the only real... The only thing he's got to pull his finger out is... Whether he wants to or not, really. I'm not saying he's making that conscious decision, but sometimes it's that little subconscious 5%, isn't it? And all Premier League mm. managers have, and Premier League teams have competition for places. That's that's what it's all about, isn't it? And where we haven't got that, I just feel at the weekend, he's just playing rubbish again. And you just think, well, well, there's no one to bring on for him. We look a bit like, makes us look a bit B-tech. I see where you're coming from to an extent. I think... On the flip side, I mean, he didn't really get a great deal of service on Sunday. Um, harks back to, you know, so many occasions where we could, should have put an early cross in. Antonio sitting in the box waiting. 
Um, he did have that moment, I think it was in the first half, where he did beat one or two players, ran into the box, what quite wide out, and ended up running into the side netting because he didn't play the ball <laughs> in. Um, it was just one of those games, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like, but it, it, it all, it's all down to decision making because one or two of those crosses go in the box and he, he adds one or two in and then suddenly he's had the greatest game ever, similar to Yarmolenko with Vienna. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but his all-round game has dipped over the last mm. what, three or four games. Yeah. But I think at the same time, I think Moyes came out afterwards and said that, you know, he's had a word with all the attacking players and they've got to be more clinical and need to improve that part of the game in the team because the last three or four games in the Premier League, two, two or three games, um, aside from the Liverpool game, we haven't been as clinical as we perhaps have been earlier on in the season. Um, the Liverpool game as well, gifted at least one of them because um, world-class keeper Alisson couldn't catch the ball. But, um, <laughs> bless him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think he hasn't been on top form. Maybe that's because, yeah, he's got no competition. He's got his record at the club now. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm, this isn't. A I mean, he's not conscious. He's not sitting there going. No, like, definitely not. I've no, it's not him. a slagging of uh, him at all. I guarantee me starting eleven place. I've got me got me club record. I don't need to do it anymore. Like no, he's definitely I'm, not doing that consciously. Doing that. But that's a subconscious yeah. thing. I don't know about the record, but like just the just the fact that you know I'm I'm a shoe in to play centre forward, not because I'm so good and I'm getting yeah, no, to no, the no. spot in the team. You know, it's it's not that. It's, it's I, like... I saw I saw someone tweet. Um, I think it was I think it was earlier today or yes or maybe last night, saying that um, he needs to stop trying to play for Jamaica and just concentrate on playing for West Ham. And it's like it's stupid. Okay, thing I mean, I mean, it's yeah, That's it's a little ridiculous. bit ridiculous. A little bit frustrating that he's had to travel those miles on an international break, but like you can't expect him to do something that you definitely wouldn't do if you were in his position. Mate, it's like, just ridiculous. If you've you got a chance to play for your country as a, as a footballer, you're going to go and play for your country regardless of you know where that game is. Mm. Um, and if you, I assume that was on Twitter. You saw that? Oh, like absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's just done for clout, um, isn't it? It's just like. But no, I, do you know what? For, for, with this one, I genuinely believe it was someone that actually believed exactly what they were saying in terms of right, nah, like, mate, just stop playing for your country and just focus on West Ham, like. You're ruining West Ham's chance of finishing the top four because you're not playing well enough because you travelled three thousand miles the other day. Um, they get they got called out by quite a lot of West Ham fans. Just went out shut. Up. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, good. it just made me laugh. It was just like, really, is that is that what some fans have come to? Um, yeah, I've, I don't know. Yeah. There, there is obviously something wrong. So if they think, and that's... it's only been two or three games, by the way. It's not as if he's like been off the ball for the entire season. When was the last um, time you scored, James? Beginning of October against Spurs. The 29th of November now, James. Two months is a long time, isn't it? The Brighton fans who are booing Graham Potter at the moment, they haven't won since September, the end of September. Well, we've still won games since then. Yeah, we? but he's a striker, isn't he? We, Josh is scoring Liverpool. goals. Beat but it's not. You're, you're underplaying it there. You do have a tendency to overdo things one way or the other, don't you? And this time, you're you're, you're underplaying it. It's no, not been two or three games, is he? He hasn't scored from the beginning of October. Yeah, but he's... <laughs> and he's a striker. Even though, even though he's not scored since then, he hasn't had, what, six really poor performances. He's still, well, you know... It's only been the last... You know last... how I know? 
What do you mean? Because he's in my fantasy team. <laughs> the assists, have, he hasn't been flying in the yeah, assists either. I still think he's played quite well. I think it's only in the last two games where he has particularly not played very well that it's now been highlighted. Oh, blimey, he hasn't scored in how many games? Seven games or whatever it is, six games. Mm. Um, but before then, he's been, I still think he's contributed. He's made contributions to the team that have assisted, that like assisted the wins. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I, think, I think we've been particularly harsh on him, to be honest. No, well, that's what I was saying. Like, we've made it clear it's not a digging him out and it's not a conscious thing, I don't think. I just think at times like this, when there are little blips, uh, competent and an all-round, not an all-round, we're doing brilliantly this season. I just think if we want to maintain this sort of level, you look at Arsenal, right, who are our main contender, it looks like, for that top four spot, yeah? Well, if Pierre-Americ Aubameyang has a bit of a blip, they've got Alexander Lacazette to come in. I mean... Yeah, that that's the difference in quality. You'd give your right arm to have Alexander Lacazette probably starting realistically, not just coming off the bench. Um, and I, I think you've got to look at those teams around us now, haven't we? We, we? It's no good looking at Wolves and saying, oh, they got Real Jimenez and then if he doesn't, that Huang uh, is a half-decent player. That's, that's not the level we want to be at anymore, is it? David Moyes is talking about top four. We're all loving it. We want to be in and around that conversation year in, year out. Um, so therefore, you've got to look at what the teams who regularly get into those places are doing, uh, and that is having a, a backup centre forward, isn't it, or more than one player in every position? You know, Aaron Cresswell, he's playing the best football of his career, but no doubt about it at the moment. Uh, but even he knows that if he has a little bit of a blip or an off spell, all right, there's quite a significant golf in quality, probably as much as it pains me to say it. But Arthur Masuaku can step in. Mm-hmm. And Antonio hasn't got that, has he? His next best thing is uh, Sonny Perkins, who can't score from four yards. Joking, joking, joking. But you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a big gulf, isn't there, between Antonio and someone likely to take his place because we've got Bowen, who is better in another position. But anyway, mm-hmm. enough of that. Jonesy, what did you think of the snow before we move on from the Men City thing? What did you think of the snow? Because I genuinely thought, we can't play in this anymore. And if they scored at the end of the first half, I'd have been annoyed because yeah. I was convinced. I was like, the, the shirts are light blue. The snow basically looks light blue. It's well hard for the West Ham players to see where the city players are, but we've got dark shirts on. This is unfair. Cancel the game, call the game off, give us a point each. Let's go home. I think, I think I was more annoyed by the fact that like Sonny just couldn't see where the, the lines on the pitch were. He didn't know where the penalty box was. Mm. Like, I mean, I was watching on a, on a on a stream which wasn't of great quality, which made it a hell of a lot worse. That sounds um, very illegal, either, James. That was, that was just my internet connection. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I couldn't I couldn't work it work out where what was what what was mesmerising though was the the ball trails. Yeah, and I couldn't stop watching them. I was like, this is it's like a stat map. <laughs> More it's entertaining like, than the football. It's like a little, it's like a little pass map, isn't it? Real life pass map. <laughs> Yeah, I thought. I think if we, I think if there was maybe ten or fifteen minutes more left of that first half, they may have postponed it to clear clean it. But um, on that on that note, Jonesy, I think if we're talking about uh, lines the ball was making in the snow, I think we've probably exhausted all the possible conversational topics for uh, (laughs) for West Ham v Man City at the Etihad on Sunday. Will at the defeat. 
Uh, two on the bounce in the Premier League. Leaves West Ham still in fourth place, but now just on goal difference. We're level on 23 points after 13 games with fifth place Arsenal. Our goal difference is plus eight. Arsenal's is minus two. Absolutely superb to see us having a positive goal difference. That is absolutely wonderful. Liverpool above us in third on 28. They've uh, created a little gap between the two clubs since we beat them at London Stadium. Then Wolves creeping up in sixth place as well on 20 points. They're on zero goal difference. So still a little bit of a way off, but a must win against Brighton on Wednesday night at the London Stadium. Uh, Arsenal travel to Manchester United. So who knows what could happen there. That's on Thursday, the second of that game. So, uh, yeah, lots of moving and shaking in a busy Christmas period coming up. And next we will have the return of the Betway charity bets. Uh, that's all before we speak to Tom, the Brighton fan and Stamford Chidge himself from the Chelsea fan cast ahead of West Ham's next two games. Stay with us. All of that coming up next. Lads, the holidays have come early this year as our partners Manscaped have the gift that keeps on trimming with a whole host of male grooming products on offer from the Lawnmower 4.0 to their new refined cologne and everything in between. Manscaped have got everything you need to make sure you're looking more Michael Bublé and less Santa Claus this holiday season. And in the spirit of Christmas, you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code we are west ham that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com with the code we are west ham all one word now is the perfect time to get yourself or a loved one the gift of shaving i am talking about the manscape performance package 4.0 the performance package 4.0 is the best in the business this hygiene bundle includes the lawnmower 4.0 the weed whacker a pair of boxer shorts a travel kit and liquid formulations yeah, for those who don't know, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. And it even has a light to help with all those little dark spots down below. And then there's the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer with its proprietary skin safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Also, in the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is Crop Preserver, which is a spray that protects against chafing. The Crop Reviver, which will ensure things down there remain fresh at all times. And then there's the Foot Duster, which will make even the ugliest of feet, like mine, look and smell lovely and much, much more. And to top it all off, you even get a shed travel bag so you can carry all your precious Manscaped products in style everywhere you go. So to get your hands on a Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and to see all the other lovely male grooming products they have on offer ahead of the festive season, head over to manscaped.com today. And remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WEARWESTAM. That's WEARWESTAM, all, all one word, WEARWESTAM. It's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. So go on, make Santa proud and cement your place on his nice list this Christmas by joining the Manscaped movement. Well, Jonesy, I think those uh, first two sections of the podcast, I think the uh, the chat about emails was probably slightly more entertaining and informative um, <laughs> than our uh, uh, summaries of the Rapid Vienna and Man City games. Yeah, two just it just feels weird, doesn't it? I think because 
the football's been so good for so much of the season. When a couple, it always feels like being a bit spoiled, but a couple of quite drab occasions have come along. Obviously, I think that the no fans thing is such a shame about the Vienna game. It would have been a proper spectacle. If nothing else, you'd have sat and watched and listened to the fans, wouldn't you? Rapid Vienna home fans, by all accounts, create an excellent atmosphere. Um, it would have been good too. So I think that definitely contributed to that one. And yeah, the Man City game, yeah, like I said, I never really looked forward to those. It kind of went to form as so many of them do. Uh, but enough of looking backwards, James. It's time to look forward for the rest of the podcast, starting uh, with the Betway Charity Bets. And in fact, we will have to do one last little bit of looking backwards, won't we? Can you remind everyone, uh, we didn't have any winners, first of all, for Man City, did we? Uh, no, I think we were way off in the end. Yeah, I don't. Uh, as always, when West Ham lose, no one usually backs a West Ham defeat, do they? Some people are sometimes clever with it and just avoid the result element of the Betway charity bets we do every week. Uh, just a reminder, while uh, James is reminding everyone what happened last week, uh, me, James and Reese Bayliss all pick a selection, a charity bet selection. We get a £50 charity stake from Betway each and every week for each one of West Ham's Premier League games in a season. And the any winnings from any of those bets go to the three charities that me and the lads are playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation. And Reese Bayliss is playing for Isla's Fight. We've uh, got a decent few quid in the kitty already this season. Bet we are matching at the end of the season any winnings so, uh, yeah, we're shaping up for a good few grand, 12,500 last season. I think, Jonesy, just over three and a half grand in the pot so far this year. So we could do another semi-big winner just to keep us on track for the same sort of amount as last season. But it's good stuff either way. Uh, no winners, though, Jonesy, for that Manchester City game, I believe. Yeah, no winners. I had a draw, both teams to score and Bowen any time. So, at 1-0 when Bowen came off the bench, I was like, here we go. Nick had asked me equaliser, mate, and uh, we're in, but no. He had half a chance, didn't he? And just like blazed it high yeah. and wide. Uh, Reese had over five and a half West Ham corners. We only had four. Bowen at score any time, penalty to be awarded. That penalty still eluded him. Um, Awful bet, that is. Yeah, Will Pugh. Both teams to score, no. So Lanzini ruined that one for you. Uh, draw at half time, no. Over nine yeah. half corners, yes. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. yeah. I knew mine was dead as soon as uh, it went 1 0 at half time. So, uh, stop counting the corners at that stage. Well, look, never mind, Jonesy. We've got two games this week. So, it's double the chance to win some money for our charities. It's Brighton first up. So, what have we got for the Brighton and Hove Albion game Wednesday night at London Stadium? What have you gone for? I've gone for West Ham win. The run's got to end. Uh, Antonio, two or more shots on target. And Jared Bowen any time. You love a Jared Bowen stat, don't you? I mean, he's playing well this season, but you do love backing the bone. Well, that sounds all right, mate. I have gone for less than 3.5 goals. Uh, BTTS, no, once again. And you might like this one. Bit of a rogue shout. I've gone for Arthur Masuaku, goal or assist. Now, at uh, the time of speaking, we're not 100% certain how Aaron Cresswell's back is doing after he slammed into the post at Manchester City when he was clearing one almost off the line. 
Um, so we're still not sure. So I fancy a bit of a rogue one there. Um, if Cresswell doesn't play, to be fair, Masuaki might not even play, mightn't he? Because Vladimir Soufal came off the bench to replace him. Obviously, Masuaku started the game. So mm. you would expect uh, that maybe he does. But I just fancy that as a bit of a rogue one. I fancy there might be some decent odds in that. And uh, you know what Arthur's like. If he's bombing forward down that wing, you never know. He might swing a wicked cross in the middle for someone or, or be that last pass before the ball goes in. Or just produce him as he does. Uh, just belt a cracker in from about 30-odd yards into the top right corner, which he's got in his locker. So, As he does, like as he's done As he has done once, yeah. 115 <laughs> games, whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah or let you know... Yeah, everyone knows my thoughts on King Arthur, so it could be his time to shine if Cresswell doesn't make it onto the pitch. Uh, James, what's Reese gone for? Reese has gone uh, West Ham scoring both halves, over six and a half West Ham corners, and big Pablo anytime. He's bottled the penalty bet this week. He's bottled it. Wow. I mean, I don't. I, don't know how to feel about that. It's one of those, if you're going to keep doing it every week, you know, you know what's, what's going to happen, happen, don't you? Yeah. You know what's going to happen. I almost want to change mine now to penalty awarded because that will happen, won't it? Guaranteed. He asked Chad after we got the penalty in Vienna, I said, oh, does that count towards the weekend's bet? But nah. <laughs> Unfortunately not. And um, Jonesy, we've also got the Chelsea game. We're still waiting for Reese's bet for Chelsea but just a reminder uh, in the meantime that if you like the sound of any of these bets um, the Brighton ones or the Chelsea ones you can place them for real yourself on the Betway website and app just go to pre-built bets uh, for the game in question obviously the Brighton one is Wednesday Chelsea on the weekend uh, go to the pre-built bet section for that particular game scroll down and you will find the we are West Ham podcast bets one will have my name against it one will have James's and one will have Reese's of course and you can back those for real if you so wish Jamesy uh, Jonesy even double whammy this week Chelsea on the weekend uh, what have you gone for for that game against the Blues I've gone West Ham win I've, uh, I've taken inspiration from the, the win against Liverpool in our last time game. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've gone for the win over nine and a half corners and big Kurt Zuma any time against his former club. Bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I'm not so sure about the win, to be honest. So, I have gone for draw, both teams to score and despite the lengthy conversation we had earlier in the podcast, Mikhail Antonio to score anytime. Fancy a big game, burst back onto the scene, put all the doubters and shut people like us up and show that, bang, he is back and he means business. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be the one to get a goal against Chelsea. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure. It's not big, such a big stage, is it? I reckon he's got one more duff game in him uh, just to get us to the stage where I'm like, right, that's it. No, just play Perkins instead. Da, da, da. And as soon as that happens, then he uh, he comes and smashes one in against the Blues, which will be happy days indeed. Uh, Jonesy, we're still waiting for Reese's, but rest assured, 
that when Reese's bet comes for the Chelsea game, that will go up on the We Are West Ham podcast Twitter account at We Are underscore West Ham, and it will of course be on the Betway website. Like I mentioned, and stay with us because we've got double opposition view coming up, and we'll start with Tom, the Brighton fan, ahead of that huge game against the Seagulls Wednesday night at the London Stadium when West Ham seek to cling on to that fourth place spot, make it impossible for Arsenal or anyone else for that matter to overtake them with three points against the Seagulls. What a rarity that would be before the Gunners go to Man United on Thursday. Tom the Brighton fan before Chigi the Chelsea fan from the Chelsea fan cast next. Betway Charity Bets, their double session this week, double chance to earn some money for those three superb West Ham United linked charities that me and the boys are playing for. I'm delighted to say that hopefully able to give us a little bit of insight into whether those bets have got any chance of coming in at all is Brighton fan Tom Murphy. Delighted to have you back on the show, Tom. It's great to have you with us. Uh, First of all, Brighton last time out uh, drew 0-0 with Leeds. Superb start to the season. Uh, 0-0 with Leeds on the weekend. Some booing among the home fans. The point put Brighton ninth in the Premier League. And Graham Potter not happy after the game with some of the more disgruntled members of the of the crowd at the Amex, suggesting uh, maybe that they need to have, do a little bit of research into the history of the club. Because as far as he was aware, getting a point um, to keep you in the top half of the Premier League above Manchester United, this was before they played Chelsea, of course, uh, was something that hadn't been done too often in the Seagulls' history. Yeah, exactly. I think... I mean, since the new stadium, a lot more fans have been able to go. So I think a lot of them haven't really ever ex- have been experiencing the lower leagues anyway. Or I don't think many of them will have been around for like the FA Cup runs and those kind of things. So yeah, I think it was the history lesson maybe is a good point. Um, I think considering where Bright- Brighton, even this time last season, they were um, 16, 10 points. Um, so there's definitely progression since this time last year. I think they've 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 cut out they've cut out some of the silly mistakes that they were losing some games by. Um, so yeah, the work he said he mentioned like the work that they're doing. You kind of have to recognise it, and I think that's definitely the case because you can see that they're conceding less goals. They're they're still creating the chances. Um, so there's definitely the there's progression there. So yeah, I think that by booze are definitely a minority, which is hopefully as it will stay. It seemed, it seemed odd, though, Tom, because Graham Potter's normally quite a placid manager anyway, isn't he? And it, it must it obviously affected him. There was reports, and not only about um, Potter's comments in the post-match interview, but saying that he was absolutely fuming when he left the ground still, etc., etc. Do you think... Do you think he's out of order there, or do you think most most Brighton fans? What, 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 where does the with, with these things? It's normally it's quite easy to point at where the fault lies. It's either the manager just having his head in the sand, which it doesn't seem to be in this case, or the fans just having some weird sense of entitlement or being better than they are. You said it was a minority. I didn't, um, I didn't see the game myself. I had it on the radio, and it was hard to. Hard to sort of gauge how widespread the booing was, but um, where does where does the fault lie in this, or is it just one of those? Because it's not like the press building it up to something more than it is. Potter was annoyed about it after the match. Yeah, exactly. I think it is a bit with Potter because you never really notice him. There's nothing really. He's got a, 
a bland, nothing really happens with him in terms of him raising his emotions. He's quite a level-headed man. So when something like that does happen, it's more noticeable and you kind of think, well, why has this happened? So it's clearly, yeah, it's riled him because there's a reaction and he's made it, he's made it more in the press. Um, I think he's got a right to be, like I said, there's progression made. He's, they're doing kind of progressing since he's been here, the few seasons he's been there. Um, so, I mean, the fans, they want they, everyone, every fan wants goals, and when you don't, you're not scoring goals, then people are gonna start trying to blame it on people. I don't like. He's gonna, he's kind of taking the buck maybe away from the players who are, haven't been scoring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but hmm. just doing his job really. And like I said, he's because he's a level-headed man. It's a, it's a big story, but I don't think. Yeah. It'll be a continuing thing. I think next game you'll see a bit of reaction from the majority of Brighton fans, and they'll be they'll be cheering all the way. Really, yeah. It's a bit strange. Like nine games without a win in all competitions. That was uh, the last victory was a two nil win against Swansea in the League Cup on the twenty second of December, uh, September. Excuse me. Uh, so it's more than two months without winning any competitions. A couple of decent yeah, draws in there against our. We're here the Swansea game. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the uh, and before that uh, they won in the league. The last time they won in the Premier League, two one against Leicester on the nineteenth of September. It was a superb start to the season. I think some of the frustration maybe is born out of well, it's easy to look at the league table, which Potter was obviously doing, but no wins in nine more than two months. Do you think there's that the, some of the boos were born out of that frustration? Because by all accounts, Leeds were there for the taking. Yeah, exactly. I guess when you look at the teams that they have played. Um, it's just frustrating when you you get like draws against teams like Liverpool and etc. Um, but then you get, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. But then you get a draw, yeah, against um, Newcastle and Norwich and Leeds etc. And they're like down the kind of bottom of the table. It's quite it's quite mm. frustrating to when there's no see like you think if you get to a point there you can and they could have easily won at Liverpool and then you can. Yeah, a nil, like a nil nils and these one ones against these kind of teams at home, especially. But Brighton, they always seem to go on these pur- these purple patches and then end a purple patch with a streak of not winning games, like a couple of seasons ago when there was a like a, in a calendar year, they, the amount of home games they won was you could count it on your fingers, basically. Um, so there's <laughs> definitely a, a it seems to be a recurring theme, unfortunately. But so again, I've all, yeah, it's a it's it's a difficult one to gauge when they'll when they'll pick up point points but Christmas is a good time for that because the game's come thick and fast now so I'm sure there'll be another three points around the corner Tom just touching on the draws um actually I was watching the game but I was just kind of half watching the game I don't know if you have a little bits at the weekend and um some of the commentators said caught my ear a little bit and he said that Brighton had drawn 56 games in the Premier League since they've come up, and I've just, I've look, I'm looking at the all-time Premier League table now, and you've won 40 and drawn 56, so you've drawn 16 more than than you've won, um, and you've also become kind of known as like the XG specialist as well, um, in terms of creating loads of chances but no, not finishing them off. Not off. What 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 is it? Behind that, so what? Apart from the fact that you know, you're missing chances, what is it that Brighton kind of are lacking in terms of? Is it personnel? Because you've got a couple of good goal scorers in there. Is it just still really working out kind of what Graham Potter wants to do in terms of style, or is it just you're just out on a, a really unlucky XG run? I think it is putting those chances away, like the 
the Leeds game, Mope, he's always he's um, always, he scored like five or six, seven at the start of the season. Every game he was doing it. My fancy team was loving it at the start. But since then he's in he's like like he had a chance against Leeds, open goal, blazed it over. Um I think it has an, has been an issue with strikers. Like last season there was Mope and uh, Welbeck shared it a bit. Welbeck's been out injured for most of this season. Um there's, there's been like players like Connolly and McAllister who haven't necessarily stepped up. Like in that in that game against Swansea, the last win we had, Connolly got two and was quite impressive, but He's never really managed to do it much as well in the Premier League. Um, so it is kind of seems to be quite reliant on on Mope putting those chances away. And when he's not in form, there's not always doesn't seem to be some anyone necessarily who's in the in the background. When you play the formation as well, I guess like when you have wing backs, you're reliant because you've got more players in defence and wit coming out the wing, you're kind of reliant on balls that are going in the box to be put away. But when they're not put away, then there's not much you can do. It's a chance of being created, but there's not a 20, 25 goal a season striker putting them away, then it's always going to be a, a, a battle. But yeah. Yeah. Well, Graham Potter leapt to the defence of, of Morpay after the game, didn't he? And said, you know, that at the beginning of the season when he was banging him in, he was a hero. Now he's having a little bit of a dry spell. He's like the opposite to that. And he sort of backed him wholeheartedly. But that, just seems to be the issue, doesn't it, with with Brighton just not being out of score? Sorry, James. No, no, no. I was just going to say that you know, particularly with um, Tarek Lamptey, who's one that you know, he he seems like with him back from injury. I think he's only just come back from injury recently, isn't he? Um, is is he kind of seen by the Brighton fans as almost the the player to influence and into sort of a, a, a bit of a a barren spell in front of goal and to kind of push things forward because he is so rapid and he's quite creative as well. Yeah, like last season, we had that was a fairly good start of the season, which was when Lamptey was in the team and had a few, was basically if you gave it to him, he'd create a yeah. chance every time. Um, and then there was when he went, as soon as he fell away and got injured, that was when the points were being dropped and there was, it dropped, the purple patch kind of ended. Um, so now he's back. There was the chance, the few chances that we created on the weekend. There was Lancy was definitely involved in them because he is so rapid, and um, it was it's great to have him back in the team because I mean he's probably I don't know seventh. He's the seventh best right back in England, even <laughs> makes him one of the best probably in the world. Um, but yeah, he's a he's he's a great he's a great player to have um, with the play with the style of play that Brighton have as well. Um, so. Yeah, he's it's he, now he's back. I think there'll be there more chances of being being created from that from that wing. I think a lot of the time it was coming down the other side. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a good player to have, and hopefully, like last season when he was in, in form, he'll be in form again and creating more chances for people to get on the end of. I was having a beer with a Luton Town supporting friend of mine for the because uh, I had the first half on the radio. Met up with him. Um, and uh, yeah, I was having a beer with him and he was absolutely raving about Lamptey and he was like really getting upset about how unfair it was on Lamptey being such a good right back, but born in a generation of like world-class right backs being English. I mean, he's better than wan Saka. But yeah, when you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Reese James in front of you, that's uh, yeah. it's not really the position you want to be playing, is it? But um, moving on to, to West Ham, Tom, you probably know what we're going to say. Already, 
West Ham still haven't beaten Brighton and Hove Albion since their return to the Premier League, what feels like about 104 years ago now. Uh, it's a real every sort of season, especially the last season when we were when we were good, we thought that's got to be the year, no doubt about it. And even then, the jinx and the hoodoo came back to haunt us. Um, again, it's it's like the same feeling this time round. Like we've had a couple of iffy results, of course, but we've got some good players. We look like a good team who knows what they're doing. Um, so we'll be saying, no doubt, surely this is the time again. But I don't know. It just feels it just feels like we're never ever ever going to to beat Brighton in the Premier League ever until one of us gets relegated. <laughs> yeah, that's this. It's easily the way. Um, I don't. Yeah, the last season would have been a good chance. This season could be another good chance, but it's very unpredictable. Brighton are unpredictable. Um, this could be the one they get back into form. I think they're difficult. They're a difficult side to to break down. Um, so I don't know if that will work, work well no, with you, kind of thing. But not having won a game in nine and then having West Ham coming up—that is just—it's already written, isn't it? It's already <laughs> written. Yeah, those headlines there to be made. Um, some like Mope redemption, pot of redemption. <laughs> Mope being like shushing fans somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of see it already. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It's midweek games always throw up kind of interesting when they've just played a game at the weekend. Um, especially West Ham playing against City. It's a, they've both been had a needed performance to come back from. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who can get ahead in it really. I smell a one nil to Brighton, Jonesy, don't you? Well, there's been five draws in a row between us, so I'm back in another draw if I'm honest. But um but yeah, no, Tom, if you're David Moyers, how are you how are you approaching this game? What what areas of Brighton's style of play and, and areas of the team are you looking to focus on in order to try and find the in that in that barren run against Brighton? Um I think you need to kind just yeah, work work your way through the through the mid, I'd say. Get behind get behind the wing backs, um, I'd say, which is is a, is a possibility. Um there's not necessarily a, you kind of a lot of the time it can be when Brighton are kind of pushing a bit forward and you can you have to put a ball over the top over the back. Um there are players who sometimes will make make defensive errors. Um like you saw Sanchez a few weeks ago take he may took out got a red card in the Newcastle game. Because um, they'll keep possession for so much of it that you kind of have to make you have to make the most of the ball when you get it, and you do get chances. But I'd say you have to be clinical, really, because there's not you won't get loads and loads of chances. Um, but yeah, just finish, finishing off the finishing off the play that you, you play, you do, um, and yeah, kind of working your way through Duncan Webster and whoever whoever else is in the way of it, really, because they all just put their body on the lines again and again and again. <laughs> well, Mikel Antonio not in great form at the moment, Tom. So it's not like, uh, you know, he's, he isn't really proving much of a threat at all to anyone in recent games, which is a little bit frustrating. Fortunately, we've got some attacking midfielders who know where the net is this season. Uh, how do you sort of style-wise then? You mentioned it there. Brighton will be quite defensively sound. James is back in another draw. I can already see like a grim 1-0 to Brighton coming up. How do you see the game before we get a score prediction off you going style-wise? Um, like I said, keeping Brighton, keeping a lot of the ball, um, Brighton and then West Ham kind of trying to 
fully them and power them away. Maybe similar to when the West Ham Liverpool game when Liverpool had a lot of the ball, but West Ham kind of got through them and got took their chances and battled their way through it really. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's kind of yeah a bit of a a bit of a attack mm. versus defence battle, I'd say on both sides. Yeah, torrid affair coming up, that's for sure. Uh, Tom, what are you saying then? Score prediction. Brilliant having you on again. Uh, what are you saying, score prediction? Um, not going to be many goals. I can't see that happening. Um, so I'm going to go in the, the draw ballpark as well. I'm going to say a, a 1 1. Um, and yeah, I don't, maybe a Mope, Mope goal shit in the West Ham fans, I reckon. Or maybe in the Bryant fans. Maybe <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising if he went that side. <laughs> Yeah, well, Potter tearing down their touchline, shushing the Brighton yeah, yeah. fans as well after the week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, Tom, uh, Brighton fan, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with us on the We Are West Ham podcast. You're back in the draw. Jonesy, before we let Tom go, what's your prediction score-wise for the game? Well, I said I'm back in the draw, given the last five have ended ended equal. But um, if I was, I'm a betting man, but if I'm going to put a bet on it, I'll be back in the draw. But I'm going to go one nil West Ham. Tom's right. I don't think there'll be many goals, go but I think, I think I think we'll save it. I think we'll save it. We've got to rent the run sometime. We? Yeah. Well, I'm going to break the habit of a lifetime in the hope that it breaks some sort of weird jinx or voodoo. And I'm going to say it's going to be one nil to Brighton. Never ever back the opposition. I know we don't do that, but but I just I don't know. A because I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and B, <laughs> you never know. It might be uh, it might do something towards um, to change breaking West Ham's jinx over uh, still not having beaten the Seagulls in, in all this time. But Tom, it's been absolutely brilliant having you with us on the show again, mate. Thanks so much. Sounds like we're all back in a low scorer. So uh, look forward to the 4-3 at London Stadium Wednesday night. West Ham v Brighton. Tom the Brighton fan there. Brilliant to have you with us. Stay with us. So I have Chelsea View with Chigi next. So I'm delighted to be joined by a friend of the show and a good good mate as well, uh, former colleague, uh, Stanford Chidge from the Chelsea Fancast. How are you, mate? I'm all good, mate. Although a little bit, uh, I've still got a hump after yesterday. Not, not happy with the point? No, we should have had all three, mate. They, they are absolutely pony, mate. I mean, that, I mean, that is one of the worst Man United sides I've seen in over 30 years, right? And, and they've been pretty much like that all the time that, you know, Ollie's been in charge. How many times do you think we've beaten them right in the last five years, four years? It's not very many now. Exclude the Cups. We beat them in the Cups once. 2017 is the last time we beat United in a league match. That's mad. And, and they're one of the worst United sides I've seen, as I said, for over 30 years. It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. It was like playing Burnley. Especially, especially when you've got Michael Carrick in charge, who's... Oh, like barely knows what he's doing. Bless him. Yeah, I know. Well, he did a better job than Ollie, I think. But anyway, hey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But anyway, mate, the last time we spoke, I look back at it. We it was back in April. The Super League fiasco was. Oh yeah, was yeah, at, yeah. At its peak, I think. I think it was actually kick, all kicking off while we were yeah. while we were chatting to you. Uh, and then Chelsea went on to to win that game following that show. Beat uh, beat West Ham at London Stadium one nil, thanks to a bit of a collector's item and a team over and a goal. Uh, and it gave Chelsea the edge in the race for the top four. I think you went three points mm. clear of us in fourth. We we slipped out of it a little bit. We were in a bit of, bit of a bad fall, but now you're top of the league. 
one of the favourites to win the title. Reese James is your top goal scorer, weirdly enough. Um, and all is well in West London, unfortunately. But what you make, yeah. what are you making of it all at the moment? Because it seems pretty exciting. Well, yeah, it's. A, I mean, I was going to say you could say you know things have changed hugely for for both of us, but I'm no doubt we'll yeah. get onto that in a minute. But for us, I mean, blimey, it's. I mean, winning the Champions League last season was just nuts. I mean, you know, tempered a bit by the fact that a lot of us couldn't get over there, you know, mm. so I didn't get over there, for example. Um, take that out of it. It was just unbelievable because, I mean, I don't think there's any question that we didn't, you know, at any stage deserve to, to get through and, and, and win ultimately. I think we were absolutely superb in the competition, um, particularly in the latter rounds when Tuchel came in. Uh, beating Atletico Madrid, beating Real Madrid. I mean, you know, you've got to be a decent team to do that. But I, I mean, so it was just, it was just unbelievable. It was literally unbelievable because considering where we'd been back in January, uh, everybody was really depressed that Frank had got the boot, you know. And I think when Frank came in and we had that transfer ban, you know, I, 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 it's funny enough, actually, James, because I went, I went to the Juventus match on, on last Tuesday and that was the first time you know, for various work-related reasons, I'm finding it hard to get to midweek games at the moment. So that was the first Champions League game I have been to since uh, we got absolutely humped by Bayern Munich, 3-0. Mm-hmm. And that was in February 2020. And I remember walking out of that match thinking, bloody hell, we were taught a lesson there. And the gap between us and teams like Bayern Munich is massive. And I think it's going to take us a long, 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 long time to get anywhere near to competing in this competition, let alone winning it again. And then what? You know, 16 months later, we've won it again. I mean, that's how nuts it is. Um, And I mean, from there, uh, you know, Tuchel is just proving to be an absolutely top, world-class manager I mean I think if he carries on on this trajectory he could go down as our greatest ever manager I mean obviously you've got the argument about he's got to win a lot of stuff Mourinho certainly has won a lot of stuff but he just ticks all the boxes he's something else he really is he's special with that with that in mind then Chidge do do you think Chelsea will go on and win it this year obviously like you you mentioned before like dropping points against a, a poor Man United team doesn't help things when you've got City and Liverpool breathing down your neck do you think that this is the year that Chelsea win it? I mean, it's going to be tough because the reality is is that Man City are a very, very good side, even though they don't have a striker. Liverpool are seemingly back to where they were. So, you know, they've got Alisson and uh, Van Dijk back fit. A lot of their players that were out when they, they kind of tailed off last year, didn't they? They look to be back to their best. They're a very good side. So it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, I think I think we're, we're certainly in with a good shout. We're good enough to win it. I think we've got a good enough side to win it, period. We've got a good enough manager to win it as well. I think it's going to depend on the small margins, isn't it? And I think things like, uh, I mean, remember, we've got a, a ridiculous amount of fixtures this season because we, we, I've just announced uh, today they've, uh, they, well, they've got the dates for the, the Club World Cup uh, out in Qatar, I think, or the UAE. Mm. And we are, that means I think February the 3rd to the 12th, that's going to be held. So we've got that. We'll have the African nations. So we're going to lose uh, Eduard Mendy. That's going to be a massive miss for us. Uh, I think Ziyech may be going with Morocco after yesterday. I'm not sure if that's much of a miss, but hey-ho. Eduard Mendy certainly would be um, because he's a much better goalkeeper than Kepa. So there's that. 
Uh, and, you know, I suspect we'll probably try and go deep in Europe again. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of matches to be played this year. So I think, number one, that, so fatigue, um, or more likely injuries could be, mm-hmm. you know, could screw us. I mean, we've got, I think, arguably, I think the deepest squad of any, any of the teams in the Premier League, qualitatively. Um, but even so, I mean, like, like yeah, uh, you know, on Sunday against United, we seriously miss Ben Shearwell. He's going to be out certainly until the new year, maybe longer. And we missed N'Golo Kante. So, you know, if you get injuries to key players, I don't care how deep and good your squad is, you're going to miss them. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that could, that could screw us up, but uh, mm. we're certainly good enough to win it. Yeah, no, I think, I think you are. Um, there's two players I want to talk, talk about, Chidge. Um, First up, Reese James. You mentioned it before. He's a top scorer this season. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say that he's kind of almost come out of nowhere as a, as a threat for Chelsea, but certainly this season he's been he's been on a completely different level. What is it that Tuchel's done to to Reese James's game in order to to make him such such a bit of a bit of a goal machine, if mm. anything? Well, I, I think I think the system's helped. Uh, number one, I, I think that Tuchel certainly. I mean, it's interesting, interesting actually, because we were talking about this on the on the fan cast the other week. And uh, much as I hate to give any praise to Liverpool or Klopp, I just thought it was an interesting coincidence that, you know, Liverpool, when they won the league, they did it because they had an excellent goalkeeper, world-class goalkeeper. They had one of the best central defenders in the world in Van Dijk. They had two really, really good young attacking wing-backs, really. I mean, I know that they're full-backs, but Robertson and uh, and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold get very you know get forward. They create a lot. They certainly get a lot of assists. They can score goals. Uh, and they had these three. They got these three very fluid uh, front three. You couldn't say they have a proper you know what you and I might call a traditional number nine. They've got three very fluid strikers who interchange, who are quick. And you look at Chelsea, and they've got Edouard Mendy in goal, who I think is a world class goalkeeper, hugely underrated actually by most of the media, weirdly. You've got Thiago Silva, who I—I I mean, honestly, he's one of the best defenders I've seen play at the bridge. This guy is phenomenal, mm. phenomenal the way he reads the game. I think he's 37 anyway. We've got Silva in the back, but I mean, all the defense is very good. You've got, um, you know, you've got Reese James and Ben Chilwell on on the as the wing backs, and, and you've potentially, you know, I mean, if you've got Havertz playing or or Mount or you know Pulisic or Hudson Odoi, you've got three very fluid. Uh, attacking players up front. It's a very similar system. Of course, they both managed at Borussia Dortmund, so maybe that's where, why there is a similarity. But the reality is, is that what I think Tuchel has realised is that, you know, the way that uh, teams are so well organised now defensively, you've got to you've got to think about doing it a different way. And one of the best ways to attack teams, I think, is is using our wing backs. And you will quite often find either. You know, Reese James or Ben Chilwell, either, I mean, quite often they're the furthest up the pitch. They're even mm. higher than the, what you would call the traditional number nine, or they're the spare man. So Chilwell's often, often, you know, when a ball comes across, you know, he's on the end of a second ball to ping it in, as is Reese James. I mean, Newcastle away, good, good example of that. Yeah. So they're allowed to get a lot farther forward. They're almost auxiliary strikers in that respect. The other thing that they do, which is really interesting, is that you'll often see them coming inside a lot. So, you know, um, whereas you would expect, in a sense, hudson Adoy, for example, or ZH to be much further forward and wider than them, playing almost like wingers, what happens is they'll swap round, you know. So, you know, actually, they don't really play like that because they, they actually do play far more inside the, the, the uh, you know, the likes of Haz, uh, hudson Adoy and ZH. But, you know, Chilwell and or 
James will come inside a lot more. And I think that makes it really hard to defend against because most teams will defend against wingbacks by putting their wingbacks on them. Mm. They're, more, they're playing more like inverted wingbacks, don't they? Yeah, basically, yeah. in a way. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other player I wanted to chat, chat to you about, Chidge, and West Ham fans kind of moan and groan about this, but you can't get away from it, unfortunately, is Declan Rice. Um, the the rumours have died down a little bit, but he has almost hit another level again this season. He keeps getting better and better for both club and country. Um, he's With West Ham's form at the moment, there is an argument that you know perhaps we don't need to sell him. He might not want to leave because there's a bit of a project going. But no doubt there is interest from Chelsea still. Do you think that, given his price tag, still going to go up? Do you think Chelsea are still in a position to warrant paying over 100 million quid for him? And and does he fit into Tuchel's system? Do you think? Uh, good questions. I mean, he certainly would fit into to Tuchel's system because he's. He, I mean, I think Declan Rice is a phenomenal player. Yeah. I really, really do. I mean. I don't. I don't think it's it's hard to find a, a, a you know a natural replacement to N'Golo Kante because he's such a one-off. I mean, there is nobody else like him in the world. I don't think you can play play the way that he does. Um, I mean, you could say the same of Jorginho. He's he's one of a one of a kind in that respect. I mean, I mean, I, when I was talking about you know Tuchel modelling how he plays on 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 Klopp and Liverpool, what I forgot to mention is that at the heart of that you've got you know two chaps who who are. I don't think they will win the Ballon d'Or tonight, but you know they've been nominated and, and tipped quite heavily to have a chance of winning it. That's mm. in our midfield, you know. Uh, but Declan Rice is a phenomenal player. I mean, I'd, I'd have him, you know, I'd cut my arm off to get him. I really, really would because I think he brings so much defensively and offensively. He's a good, good player. So yeah, Tuchel would 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 accommodate him very happily, no doubt. What I would say though is, would the club? I mean, I think I think you basically priced him out of the market when we came mm. sniffing around in the summer, I think they really wanted him, but I don't think they wanted him at that price. And I wonder if there's something else, you know, the, the interesting thing is we've got, uh, we've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's now getting much more game time in midfield. Now he offers something that Jorginho and Kante don't really offer. I mean, he's a real unit and he's got a huge amounts of skill, uh, amount of skill and he can run with the ball and, and you know, actually run at a defence, taking it out of midfield. We don't really have a player like that. And then waiting in the wings, we've got Billy Gilmore, who can do the same job as Jorginho, and I would say give him time, arguably better. I mean, that guy can run a game, and that's what Jorginho mm. does for us at the moment. You've also got Conor Gallagher waiting in the wings, who's probably the closest player I've seen since Frank Lampard uh, finished to him in style. A proper, proper old-fashioned box-to-box midfielder who can, who can finish and score goals. Mm. So, I mean, you know, you've kind of, with Billy Gilmore, you kind of keep to the same. With Conor Gallagher, you go a very different way. I mean, arguably, he would be much better in a three in midfield. So it's going to be interesting options-wise. I mean, I, I think a lot of us kind of saw Declan Rice as the obvious candidate to to replace Kante, mm. because Kante is 30 now. So he's, you know, got a few more. I mean, you know, he's, he's injury-prone already. No surprise, because he just... You know, he just absolutely Doesn't goes through in every match. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Rice is the natural successor to to Kante, but then they're, they're very different players, James. That's the reality. But I mean, you could mm. have Rice and Jorginho in that too, and it would work, or Rice and Gilmore in that too, and it would work happily. It's just a question of whether Roman Barrett should be up for for spending. Well, I mean, it's probably going to be about 120 million at this rate. Well, that's a lot that. of money to play pay for a midfielder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's look at. Uh, 
to this weekend then. We've got a game in between. I think Chelsea play Watford. We've, we're hosting Brighton. But um, what have you made of West Ham of late, first and foremost? Because we're, we're still rubbing shoulders with the top four. Um, what, two years on from Moyes coming back, he's completely transformed us and continues to transform us. What have you made What have you made of us? Um, is there an element of maybe worry going into this game, given the form that West Ham are in? Yeah, because you're a really good side, you know. I mean, I was thinking. I mean, you know, I, I've got quite a soft spot for West Ham. I know, I know that's sacrilegious to say as a Chelsea supporter, um, but you know, I've got a lot of mates who are West Ham fans, you know, and I, I've kind of grown up with their pains, and I, I kind of relate to that, having followed Chelsea for a long time. Um, but I mean, you know, on the one hand, I'm really delighted to see they're doing so well. I think it's a really, it's a really good testament to what happens if you, if you hire a decent manager and give him some time. And, and let him do what he does best. And, you know, fair play to David Moyes because, you know, he had a torrid time at uh, at Man United. I think he was treated really badly there, although he was on a hiding to nothing. And I think he's done brilliantly. And he's proved, proved again that he's actually a very, very good manager. And he's, he's assembled a really good squad of players. You've got some really, really high, you know, quality players. Suchek, uh, you know, and Antonio to name but two. And, of course, Declan Rice. But there are many others in that that side as well. So you've got a good squad, you know, some quality players, and you're playing really, really well. Um, and you know, I think you're. I mean, I think you will come forth actually this year because you're you're way better than any of the, the other chasing pack. I mean, Spurs are horrible at the moment. I'm delighted to say, Arsenal are very much in transition. Leicester, mate, they're hopeless judging by how we walloped them the other week. Mm. You know, who else have you got kicking around at the moment? You know, Brighton, are they really going to be there at the end of the season? I don't think so. No. Nah. So, nah. you know, I think, I think you know, fourth play and United, you know, they, they need a lot more than six months of Rangnick to, uh, to to get anywhere back to where they were. So I reckon, I mean, you're a better side than them easily. So I think, I think fourth spot is yours to lose, right? So go on then, go on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, Fourth spot would be lovely, but I mean, you, you mentioned earlier about from from Chelsea's point of view, with yeah, you could win the title, but injuries to key players yeah. could prevent it. I mean, that's West Ham's problem at the moment is that yeah, okay, top four is is attainable, but we've got such a thin squad, yeah. and you know, no no backup striker to Antonio. If Rice gets injured, then we've got Mark Noble to come in, or an inexperienced Alex Crowell. So. We've got we've got a similar problem in that lose one or two key players and we're in trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, you can say that of a lot of teams. I mean, look at Liverpool last season. You take Van Dijk out of that side and Henderson, and they're not the same mm. side. So, I think it depends who it is, doesn't it? You know, but I, I mean, you can say that for everybody. I still think, given a you know, okay, no injuries. I think I think top four or fourth spot is yours to lose. So yeah, I mean, I was thinking actually, funnily enough, when uh, when you and Will well Will got hold of me today. I started thinking about the game on Saturday, and I was thinking, cool, yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be a really tough game. Uh, and so far this season, you know, in the tough games that we've had against people that we're challenging, uh, you know, let's call it the top four at the moment. So we lost to City one nil, uh, and, and we were made to look pretty ordinary by them. To be fair, I mean, I, I think Pep was so determined to to beat us because we'd had the edge on them over last season. He just did everything. He, he really thought about it. And, and we were out, outclassed that day. Liverpool, I think, was one of our best displays of the season because we beat them and Anthony Taylor. So we basically kept the, arguably the most potent 
side in the league out for 45 minutes and they didn't look close to scoring. It was one of the best defensive displays I've seen by 10 men ever. It was phenomenal. So that was all right. But I mean, and again, you know, we picked up one point. Uh, and I mean, who else have we played who's anywhere near us? Well, we haven't really. I mean, you know, Leicester, we demolished. You would have thought they were, you know, going to be contenders. You know, Spurs, we wiped the floor with as always, you know, but they're not really contenders. Um, I mean, United, I mean, as I said, that, that was most definitely two points dropped on Sunday because they're so pony, it's not true. But I don't think they're going to be challenging. So, you know, this, I think, after City and Liverpool is actually going to be one of our toughest matches. Mm. And then it's West Ham. And then it's over there. And then there's everything that goes with the rivalry that we've had for years and years and years. And the other thing I was thinking of was, bloody hell. You see, you're hopefully going to be able to answer this for me. But I was thinking, when was the last time, you know, we played West Ham and there was like really something on it in terms of, you know, league places, you know, really something on it that West Ham were really pushing towards towards the top, you know, and, and we we were going to be in for a really, really tough match, you know. I mean, I'm trying to think maybe under Harry when De Canio was there, because you did pretty well, didn't you, that season? You Top five, weren't you, or something like that? Um, yeah, it's pretty about time. I mean, last season's probably the closest as well. I mean, particularly that that's that game at London Stadium where we were both going for the top four then. But yeah, yeah. But before then, it probably was under Harry Redknapp with with Paolo Paolo Di Canio. Um, yeah. In between now, I mean, I was actually looking at the the recent sort of head to head form between between the two of us, and um, so you did the double overs last season. We did a double over the season before that. Um, and I actually thought that Chelsea had a bit of a monopoly over us in, in recent years. But no. actually, um, got it here. Chelsea had won. Yeah, so you won both last year. We won the two the year before that. And then you'd only won three of the nine meetings yeah. in all competitions yeah. before then. Um, do, you, do you see that playing that sort of recent head-to-head sort of having a role to play this weekend and well 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 no i think it's interesting because you see i i, I knew that like well, i didn't know exactly but my if you'd have asked me the question i would have said oh yeah i mean you're quite a bogey side for us because and i think that feeds back into what i was saying because usually you're nowhere in the league you're either you know mid, middle of middle of the table with nothing to play for or worried about relegation we're usually going for the title or top four uh, and then when we turn up and play you, you always turn up like peak 1970 Brazil because it's Chelsea and you want to get one over on us. And invariably you do, you know, whether it's home or away. I mean, I remember sitting with a mate of mine at Stamford Bridge a couple of years ago, but I don't know, three, four years ago now, maybe it was uh, the, the what was his name, the ex-Man United player, the little P, Hernandez. Chicharito, yeah. Yeah, Chich- yeah. And I just knew he was going to score. And he did. He scores like a last-minute equaliser. And I just there we go. I said to my mate Tony, classic West Ham. We both we both looked at each other when he came on. He said, he's going to score, isn't he? And, he? and he did. And that's classic West Ham. So I think you've been doing that to us for years. Mm. But uh, that's why I'm intrigued by this weekend. Because, you know, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't say you go into it as favourites. But, I, I, you know, I'd be very interested to see what the, what the bookies are making of this. Because you're at home, you know. We've, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't do so well this weekend. I think, uh, you know, put it this way. Normally, normal season, Chelsea would be absolutely nailed on favourites to win. It won't be like that on Saturday. That's for sure. Mm. But I wonder if that might play on West Ham. 
They have, they may be expected to get a result, maybe expected to do well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, what we're brewing the we've lost the last two in the league. Um, okay, granted, one was against City at the weekend in what what was pretty much the North Pole on the first half in particular. Yeah, that was mad, wasn't it? C- couldn't even see the the, the why, lines. Why on did the pitch. that game carry on? I don't know. The second half was all right. It stopped snowing and they cleared yeah. it half time. But first half, you couldn't see the lines on the pitch. It was, it was silly. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I still think still think Chelsea would be favourites given given the form you're in, where you are on the league table, and the fact we've lost our last two. I think Chelsea would probably edge it with the bookies. But before I ask you for a, a score prediction, Chid, just like, one one final question: If you're if you're David Moyes, what what part of Chelsea are you? looking to exploit any weaknesses that you would be looking to exploit on Saturday well again I think it depends on the team that he puts out and of course much of that will depend on what happens on Wednesday against Watford Mm. Um, we know that Chilwell will be out and I know that that's a huge miss for us so the obvious thing is you target Alonso um, because Alonso's lack of pace uh, down the left you know I mean I know we've got Rudiger to cover and he might have Hudson-Odoi to bail him out but you, I would, you would target him. I would, I would flood the midfield. I think a lot of teams that have done well against us have, have uh, I mean, Villa, for example, when they came to us, I mean, they, they ended up losing 3-1. But I tell you what, mate, that was never a 3-1. You know, they looked really good then. And they, they had us sussed out because they had three in midfield. And they bossed the midfield. They ran the game. And we, you know, we, we play with two in midfield, effectively, because the, the wing-backs are just hairing down the wing all the time. You know, I mean, okay, they have to hair back too. But, I mean, that's the other thing. That's why we're so defensively strong, because that back three becomes a back five very quickly uh, in transition. But uh, three in midfield up against two, you can dominate the midfield. So I, I think, you know, Moyes might look to do that. Um, but I think that the, the two biggest issues are this. You know, we are so hard to score against. I mean, United only scored on Sunday because Jorginho had a brain fart. Mm. I mean, they had three shots on target in the entire game. You know, uh, OK, they had absolutely no ambition, so that didn't help. But, you know, we are so hard to score against. So, number one, you've got to score against us. Um, and I think the other the other side of that coin is that you've got to hope that we're as profligate as we have been for the last few years. I mean, you know, Sunday was an absolute prime example of that. We, we just don't have anybody who knows how to finish. Mm. It's astonishing. You know, Hudson Adoy, Werner, ZH, you name it. I mean, they were, oh, it just drives me out the wall because they're just, they're just so wasteful. And that, that's the trouble with Chelsea. We don't kill teams off. You know, we get one nil up and we're absolutely bossing games. But, you know, you've been around long enough, like I have, you know, one nil, two, even two nil. You're only a goal away and the game changes, mm. you know, and the side's still in it. And, and that's that's the thing that that really does worry me about Chelsea. That's why they're not they're not the finished article yet. By I mean they're bloody good, but they're not the finished article yet. But if we get a goal or two up and we really like really fancy it, then then we're a hell of a team. But you know we just don't put our chances away, James. Yeah, it reminds me of a couple of years ago when you were two new up against us at London Stadium. We came back one three two. That was sort of right at the beginning of the pandemic, wasn't it? But um, yeah, let's get a a, a score prediction from you then, Chidge, ahead of Saturday afternoon. Well, it's going to be a good one, isn't it? I mean, it's so hard this far out and without the, the game, you know, as I said, a lot will depend on what happens against Watford, you know, injuries-wise. Mm. I have to say, I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit, I mean, having seen us, you know, you kind of boss the game against a United who had no ambition but not put them away. 
And I think when it boils down to it, what we missed most really was N'Golo and Kante and Chilwell, because I think Chilwell and Reese James have been absolutely on fire recently. And it's just completely up the ante in terms of how we play. Now, Chilwell's not going to be playing. I don't know about Kante. We'll see. If he's playing, then I think that changes a lot for us. And I think a lot will depend on who's up front too, because I think when you've got Havertz playing and, you know, you know if you've got hudson Adoy, uh, Havertz and Mount, we're a very different proposition than when we have hudson Adoy, Werner and Ziyech. Uh, Pulisic could do a good job as well in case, instead of Mount. So, you know, I would feel happier if, uh, you know, those three are playing, but of course Lukaku may be fit as well. So, you know, which terrifies us, by the way. He loves a goal against West Ham. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's a wonderful striker, but I tell you what, mate, I think they're, I think Chelsea are finding it really hard to, to get him to adapt to our system. And I, I mean, it's no, you know, he's been out injured for what, six weeks or whatever. And we've looked far more fluent and far better without him mm. because we're playing like we did last season, but with more confidence with those three front players all interchanging and Havertz dropping back, making himself hard to mark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you see what we have, well, the problem we have, James, is that if Lukaku plays, he's a great striker and he's great at holding the ball up with his back to goal, but we don't have anybody running in from midfield to get on the end of balls that he's holding up and laying off. Yeah. We don't play that way. So we've got a few conundrums, but uh, if, you know, if we've got our best team on the pitch and we're up for it, I think we'll win. And I think I think actually we're more likely to win because we're so hard to score against. You know, so it'll be really tight. I reckon a goal in it, 1-0, 2-1. Nice. Well, um, I'll never predict us to, to lose a game. Well, I'm and I go never for... do Chelsea either, mate. Nah, nah. So <laughs> even though my headset might say otherwise sometimes, but I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Yeah. This week, I think um, with a full stadium, the fans are going to be up for it. And they've shown this season in particular that uh, that Liverpool game where we beat them 3-2 a few weeks back, I've not seen an atmosphere like it. Um, so London Stadium is becoming a, a a bit of a home for us. Um, the atmosphere is getting better and better every game. So and I think that might play a part on Saturday afternoon. But Chidge, always a pleasure, mate. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, and all the best for, for the rest of the season. show there jonesy brilliant chat you've just had with uh, chidgy from the chelsea fan cast no west ham women this week no game uh, just in the week gone since we last spoke and then we've got another match until everton away on december the 12th so we'll do a full women's section next week uh, back to normal jonesy um final thoughts it's been a it's been a bit of a strange show really isn't it it's like looking back to a win and then a defeat both two quite underwhelming occasions perhaps not used to the absolute adrenaline highs we've had in uh, the last sort of or oh, the, the games in the build-up to those two matches not so much the Wolves one obviously but particularly the Liverpool um, the Liverpool one at home the Man City in the cup or the Europa League stuff as well it was all pretty pretty hunky-dory it feels like a bit of a weird come down however West Ham is still fourth in the Premier League they've qualified as winners from their Europa League group in a strange way, it probably should have been a more celebratory podcast than it was, um, but perhaps felt a little bit, I don't know, not flat maybe is the wrong word, but just a little bit meh compared to uh, some of the ones before when we were literally lost for superlatives because West Ham was so massive and good. Yeah, I think the the lack of 
atmosphere at the Vienna game probably killed killed off any kind of hype around that. vibes. Yeah, and then the City game was the City game. I don't think just as we've already established, it was City being boringly good, and us probably well, us definitely not doing enough to really threaten them properly, and kind of only having half chances or getting into good positions and then going backwards again. So yeah, it's you know two back-to-back defeats in the in the Premier League doesn't look good on paper, but we don't do that very often. But if there's ever a time to bounce back, it's against Brian at home. We've been good at home this season. Lol. <laughs> um, and, you know, what what a great story that would be to get back on the horse and keep going, get back on the form by beating your your nemesis. and the, Yeah, the, your the, weird nemesis. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the one team you've just never been able to beat. Yeah, and then like inexplainable like, nemesis. Yeah, and then suddenly it's like, we've got to get a win, boys, otherwise we're in, we're in trouble. Stuck. <laughs> and uh, we put it out of the bag. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think it's been a strange week, but big one ahead. Chelsea's massive on Saturday. Chelsea's massive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of an odd one. It's sort of with the Brighton one first. Chelsea will be big again. It doesn't feel like a season definer, and we we sort of do it, don't we? And we we should you know contextualise the week that's just gone past. We've qualified for Europe as group winners. Fantastic achievement. What an achievement that is. And almost because we did it so easily, that sort of yeah, it wasn't very dramatic, feel not underwhelming, but it just wasn't causing much fanfare. And then we've lost a game that isn't going to be season-defining. I also feel the same way about Chelsea, although I'd love to beat them. It's always a brilliant game against the Blues, good atmosphere, etc. Um, but I think if you gave me three points out of the next two, I'd take them from Brighton. I think just to just to break that hoodoo first of all. Um, and yeah, just sort of cement that fourth place spot going into the Chelsea game. You've got to hope that um, Arsenal, I don't know, there's not guaranteed anything at Old Trafford, are they? It's a bit of a weird time for United, of course, but they earned a good point at Chelsea at the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think win on Wednesday, get that out of the way and just get that losing mentality out of our hair a bit and then bring on Chelsea as it comes. Uh, but Obviously, it doesn't always work like that, does it? Especially not with West Ham recently. Yeah, uh, I think I think we're at a stage now. It, it looks as though already that Chelsea, City, and Liverpool they're going to pull away into the top three and have a bit of a battle out between themselves for the title. Um, so realistically, we're looking at okay, if we want to finish in the top four, then we need to make sure we're beating all the teams in and around us. Brighton are one of those teams for me. Um, they probably won't be coming into the season, but at the moment they are. So, got to beat them. Chelsea, as you say, probably not season-defining because they're going to be in that title-chasing pack. But, you know, if, we were, if we're serious about wanting to finish in the top four this season, then it's the likes of Brighton. We've already beaten the Spurs. Um, we've already lost the Wolves, which is, you know, frustrating now when you look at it. They're sixth, three points behind us. So, lose to Brighton and then suddenly... You, you run the risk of then losing to Chelsea and being sucked into, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth. And then, you know, what happens then? Is it panic stations? Yeah. Do, you, do, do you panic if we lose three, four on a trot? If panic means going out and buying a striker in January, then bring it on. Yeah, yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, well, I'm with you, Jonesy. I just uh, wanted to say as well, uh, I know we missed it earlier on, but Reese's 
Betway charity bet for the Chelsea game has finally landed. He's gone Thomas Suchek anytime, both teams to score, and he's gone back to penalty awarded. That makes me nervous because he's missed it out for the Brighton game and stuck with it for Chelsea. God knows what he's thinking there, but uh, get your house on there being a penalty in the Brighton game, if you ask me. Uh, that was that. Hopefully, win some money, Jonesy, as well, for the charities. It's been a little bit of a while. We need to keep those ticking over. So, uh, I've got double chance, six chances to win some money this week. So, fingers crossed we can pull something out of the bag. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham pod on facebook you can search the we are west ham podcast to find the page and we've got a youtube channel as well the same thing we are west ham podcast on youtube jones is doing a sterling job this year of uploading a, a bit more video content some of the clips of the interviews we do and chats between ourselves so head on over there and give us a subscribe if you can that is growing quite nicely at the moment subscribe to the pod on all your normal platforms apple podcast spotify google wherever you listen give us five stars write a review and more importantly tell your friends all about us we've hit some good numbers in recent weeks we really appreciate it and uh, we hope the newbies stay with us and uh, we appreciate as ever all you loyal long-termers uh, we're currently West Ham United fourth in the Premier League still we've just qualified as group winners from the Europa League as we remind you every single week if you're feeling a bit drab just try and contextualize it's still a brilliant time to be a West Ham United supporter. And if a week like this feels somewhat drab, which it perhaps has done, or a little bit underwhelming, which it has done for me and Jonesy, just blame it on the weather and remind yourself that West Ham United are still massive. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. And this week's superb West Ham prize is a 2019-20 signed shirt with autographs from several big stars from that season. It's custom framed as well. It's an absolute bargain. Tickets are available for just £5.95 each. Just 99 will be sold and the competition closes on Friday the 3rd of December at 7.30pm with the winner being announced an hour later via a draw live on Football Prizes Facebook page. There's also another chance for you to win this week. You can win the chance to win two hospitality tickets for West Ham United's home game against Leeds in January. They're absolutely brilliant prizes. Tickets are just £9.95, so check that out on the Football Prizes website. There's been some absolutely superb signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen, Vladimir Sufal and Paolo Di Canio up for grabs since Football Prizes launched. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.